0: Welcome to Six of One and Bill of the Other, the only podcast you will ever need. Today, we're going to be discussing what for me is the Disney Plus show, Pistol, but Bill will tell me that elsewhere in the world it is not a Disney Plus show. Where did you see it, Bill?
1: I had to watch it on Hulu, and I was so annoyed by the commercials that I ended up purchasing a month's subscription. In fact, I will interrupt briefly to tell you that the first episode I watched before I got the premium was presented by Minions, The Rise of Gru, a progressive commercial, The Chevy Blazer, Some Hockey Show, Google, Love, <laughs> Victor, which is a Hulu show, Corona, the beer, not the disease, Hyundai, Carvana, eHarmony, Motherland for Salem, or Fort Salem, which was so bad I really thought it was a parody, but it's a real show, Michelob Ultra, Priceline, and, ironically enough, Disney+. Plus. What was that list? Uh, that was all of the commercials I had to sit through to watch the very first episode of Pistol Holy on Hulu. hell. Before I paid for the... Uh, right, and and right, some thought, of them are doubles. I thought that's but what I, you were
0: saying. In the old days, when I used to watch commercial TV, ITV over here, in the 80s and the 90s, in an hour, you would get an ad break every quarter of an hour. So you'd probably in an hour's show, you'd have three or four adverts. What, what did you just list? How many...
1: When it, what? Whenever I think of... Uh, punk rock and anarchy first thing that comes to mind is
0: uh, minions the rise of gru well i'll tell you uh, what when i think of the pistols sex pistols the first thing i think of is this is a show destined for disney plus yeah and when i and when i want to heard that because over here that's the big selling point it's disney plus it's, people are signing up Well, you know for the beatles and for sex pistols um signing up to disney plus to watch the sex pistols isn't it funny this that our first two episodes
1: are tied together for,
0: with uh, mickey mouse and Heroin? <laughs> yeah well yeah yeah oh and by the way bill uh you left us with a kind of uh it was like on, on a precipice at the end of sure. the last episode i i have been waiting with bated breath and gritted teeth so much that i've actually misaligned my bottom teeth so bill it was something about laconic
1: laconic so uh this is our fun fact history fact of the day um So I heard uh, this from Hardcore History, which sounds like a really bad pornography, but it's really a history podcast, uh, which is really good. I would recommend it. Anyway, laconic is a short phrase, uh, which usually contains a high amount of wit. So if you think of like the cowboys uh, of Westerns and everything and how it's like, you know, walk softly and carry a big stick. You don't say much. You're a tough guy. You just get things done. That was started by the Spartans who lived on Laconia. Uh, you know, people who've played Assassin's Creed Odyssey are like, yes, I know. Anyway, so my little fun fact takes place uh, after the Peloponnesian War. So Sparta is not what it once was. It's a smaller, you know, uh, smaller country. They're not as formidable as they once were. And Philip of Mastodon comes to them. Now, Philip of Mastodon was one of the greatest generals to ever live, but he's overshadowed by his son, Alexander the Great. So Philip of Mastodon comes to Sparta and says, If I invade there, I will turn you out. And that's exactly what he says, which sounds like a nineties R and B album. Like I think that's a Johnny Gill song. She turned me out. Anyway, so he says to them, (laughs) Yeah, I guess you wouldn't (laughs) Belbib Devoe. Anyway, he uh so he says to the Spartans, If I invade, I will turn you out. And the Spartans being the badasses that they were, they sent him back a message. One word. If, which is a pretty badass thing, and it would be even more badass if the uh, Philip of Macedon didn't immediately invade them afterwards and wipe them off the face of the earth. And I find that a lot of like Spartan stories sort of end like that. Like they do something real cool and tough, and then they're, they're brutally killed. Like if you remember, you know, when they uh, when the Persians came in and he said, "This is Sparta," and he kicked them off, and then you know he was brutally killed so that was uh my fun fact uh laconic i don't think either of us could be described as laconic but uh you know so i guess the fun fact kids at home the lesson is uh don't chalk crap because you'll be brutally butchered
0: and then we'll meet malcolm mclaren was that worth waiting for was that worth waiting for no This is Pistol, a TV show directed by Danny Boyle. Six episodes, the first episode of which I watched. And as I was watching it, I think I texted Bill to say, this might be an interesting show to talk about. My initial reaction, I'll just get it out of the way now. My initial reaction was, oh dear. I've got to say, I'll put it out right out there now. By the end, I thought it was a worthwhile watch. And I quite, I did quite like it. And we'll move on to talk about it in more detail. What was your kind of overall view, if without giving away too much, what was your overall view of it? I like Danny Boyle. Um, I liked train
1: spotting and I liked the sequel a lot. I I sort of have a dislike of band reenactment stuff. I like documentaries. Um they had one part in this, and I guess we'll get into it later, but there's always that part in these sorts of things. <laughs> where they're going, smoke on the fire and water in the sky. And the guy goes, wait, wait, hold on, man. What if you said smoke on the water and fire in? And they're like, yeah, man. And they start doing the groove and then they like switch over and they're in Wembley Stadium playing it in front of everybody. Um, And there was a lot of that. You know, I felt like the first episode, you know, I get what they were trying to do. They were playing a lot of current songs from the era you know, David Bowie stuff to give you a feel for the kind of things that we listen to. Mm. But there's a there's a balance there. Like, I almost thought that I might have accidentally put on a classic rock station and had it playing in the background while I was watching. Yeah. Like, and uh, what, it did was a bit what do you feel by the end?
0: What do you feel by the end? Because a lot of things, what you're saying, we'll go into, I've got some headings for that and we'll go into it in okay. more detail.
1: In the end, I I liked the story of the band and I was interested in the band. I didn't really like the actual show. Um, Not that it was all bad. There were were parts I liked. But taken overall, I would have much rather watched a really good documentary about the band.
0: I suppose I should get it out there now that the Sex Pistols were one of my favorite bands of all time. And when I was a teenager, I was in a punk band and I used to wear a padlock around my neck. I used to wear the same T-shirt that Sid Vicious used to wear in some of the most famous pictures of him. I had every Sex Pistols album. Obviously, there's only one but there's loads of bootleg live albums. You've got the whole great rock and roll swindle monstrosity. I had the Winterland uh, final gig on VHS tape. I was going to go and get it, so I'd have it in the background of this, of this podcast, but I had all the original recordings of Glenn Matlock live. I had everything. So to hear that they were releasing a TV series on Disney... With my knowledge of the band and all the uh, the connections to the sex shop and Malcolm McLaren, Vivian Westwood, the what whole did you Nazi think of uh, thing? What did you think
1: of Donald Duck playing Sid Vicious?
0: I thought <laughs> that was a strong, <laughs>
1: that was a strong choice. You know, when Donald Duck uh, carved "Give Me a Fix" with a razor blade in his chest, <laughs> it really took me back. I could see
0: know? if they had done that, if they had done yeah. this show as. Um, Everyone like we were talking about the Hound of the Baskervilles, where I read the version where Mickey Mouse was the, was Sherlock Holmes and Pluto was the Hound. If we'd had Mickey Mouse as Johnny Rotten, and maybe Donald Duck as Sid Vicious, I think we could have done the show. I just don't know about what we'd have done with some of the the sex scenes. Do, does anyone roots. want to see Mickey Mouse having sex or Donald Duck having sex?
1: If I just walked onto another podcast, I'm not,
0: <laughs> I'm not commenting on that, good but, sir. I thought so. I, I agree with a lot of what you just said. I, I, and I, I spent a lot of the time picking it to, even as it was playing. And I've got to say, um, before this podcast, I just re watched it all again.
1: Wow. Right. Okay. So
0: I've just watched it through twice <laughs> to take because the first time through, I didn't take any notes. I was watching it.
1: Oh, I took notes.
0: And on the second time through, I liked it less, not more. As a show, I would, before we slag it all off now, I'd recommend people watch it because I think there's a lot of interesting stuff going on, especially with the direction. So a very pretty, it's a very pretty depiction of the 70s, the most grimy era in modern English history, specifically where it comes to portraying the 70s in this show, the mixing... Of real documentary footage. And this went out, this went through all six episodes, but the mixing of real footage with the filmed stuff for the show, and by the end, they really are switching it between. I thought that was. I've never really seen that. I can't remember seeing that done before in one of these I, kind of shows. I, I've what seen did you it think? In,
1: I've seen it in uh, The Departed, um, a, uh, I can't think of a Scorsese uh, movie. Yeah. Uh, where they showed at the very beginning, where they're showing the riots and everything in Boston before they cut to the real thing. Did it do it throughout? uh, uh, Not throughout, just at the very beginning. Because
0: this one was throughout, if you know. It's it's, It's
1: throughout. And what kind of, not to be contrarian, I didn't like it, and here's why. I liked the footage from the 70s, and I liked showing that. But then what happened is you have 4K HD footage And I'm sure um, if I did research, I'll find out that they did some kind of film thing that's really complicated. But to me, it almost looked like they did a kind of Final Cut Pro setting on it to make things a little bit more, you know, 70s looking. And I probably wouldn't have minded it, but by showing it right next to actual Super 8 footage, it really, you know, the quality difference, it really made it apparent that, hey, this is a modern day camera that we're putting effects on to make it look more like it.
0: I thought the overall look of it with those visual effects and things, and he did so many things. There was a couple of moments during it where he was doing that um uh, bullet time around yeah. just just momentarily around characters, uh matrix. When they were song. spitting
1: on each other and they were loads
0: on. of completely unnecessary things. he like he he chucked everything into the mix. It sounds like I quite liked the overall vibe of the seventies that we're trying to give. You With using the documentary footage and you weren't so keen. You would have rather not have any real footage from the 70s. No, I would would say
1: I would say uh, I like the documentary footage, but I would say it it did bring out sort of a lot of the tools he was using on the modern day footage to make it look more 70s. And it sort of took away the mystique for me. I didn't think it was as bad as, uh, you know, and I, I haven't watched the Queen movie, but I heard a lot of people making fun of it for being really bad about sort of,
0: you know, how unrealistic they portray it. Um, Well, that's let's not go too much into authenticity because that's the next heading.
1: uh, Yeah. Okay.
0: Look, someone, I I heard someone um, slagging off Stranger Things, right? And they were saying that, oh God, we get it. It's the eighties. We get it. Like stop it with the clothes and the video games and the lights and everything. We get it. And I thought, that was a bit because I, I haven't watched the latest series, but I remember watching Stranger Things, and I remember thinking I remember quite liking that overly set up eighties vibe, and I remember the eighties, and it kind of was like that. Well, I think, so it I think it it's works. a shame when someone makes every, it make, someone makes the effort to portray the seventies or the eighties yeah. or the nineties, and then some clever dick will go, ah, oh, yeah, but you know.
1: Well, I think uh, what's really difficult with this particular sort of uh, band biopic is the whole thing the Sex Pistols were about was authenticity and not having the bells and whistles and not having the fake plastic front, which is obviously all ironic with, you know, uh, Sid Vicious later saying, it's how I look that matters, not what I'm playing, when that's the antithesis of what uh, Johnny Rotten or Johnny Lydon was, was kind of about. So I think you're going to... Not Malcolm you might McLaren, look, though. Uh, well, that's yeah, the he's problem. the exact opposite. Yeah, and um I think... You know, when you're basing your whole band identity on that, um, this sort of thing that you're talking about is how how much of it is sort of a puff piece versus what really happened is going to get in greater focus just because of the nature of who the band you're
0: covering is. Exactly. But di- The Disney Plus version of yeah. Sex Pistols directed by Danny Boyle of... Uh, he did that... Um, did he win the Oscar for the um, million... What was it called? The uh, one with the kid doing the who wants to be a millionaire thing was that Danny Boyle it might have been slum dog millionaire
1: oh yeah i think he did or i don't know if he won the award i don't really follow that but he, um, uh, i did watch it it
0: was good he did the olympics as well over here the the opening olympics uh, oh, wow. thing that was really good he's a he's a talented guy this is a little bit like a fairy tale he's taken the story and he's just telling it in his own way and he doesn't really care how realistic it is or how true to life it is he's just well, they're making the, the his arc, version.
1: Archety, arc, arc, archetype of who they yeah. are Yeah, making.
0: Yeah. You know? So I wondered what you, because I suppose you haven't said yet whether you were ever a Sex Pistols fan.
1: Yeah, I always saw them kind of from afar. And I had a lot of people in my life who were huge punk rockers. And I think I tended to be more into like thrash metal, um, was sort of the closest I got to punk, which obviously has a lot of its roots in, in punk rock. And then my producer, when I was in Hawaii, was in a band called Christian death and he was uh, with Perry Farrell before they formed Jane's addiction um, oh, wow! and, um, and, and was huge into it. And he had a lot to say about sort of, you know, modern punk and things. And I can get into that maybe a little later. Um, but I always sort of viewed it from a distance. And I would say one thing that this show and then me following it up and, and looking at more things uh, proved to me was I kind of didn't really think much of John Lydon or, I, I just called him Johnny Rotten, so I feel like I'm playing stick last with name. Johnny Rotten. Yeah, I'll stick with Johnny like Rotten.
0: Um, he, he doesn't he would, like he, it if he was in the room. No, 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 no. John well, Rotten. I was going to say I I Look, like him. Stick so with it's li- is it Lydon? Is
1: it Lydon? Yeah.
0: So jo- John, John Lydon.
1: Uh, when I came into this, uh, there's sort of when you get into punk rock and provocateurs, there's sort of a mixture of two things, in my opinion. There's sort of a malignant narcissism that kind of prevails. With I'm going to do. What pisses you off, and I'm gonna say it's for something, but it's really about me getting attention. Like that yeah. time where you did a bunch of discovers with your shirt off. Um, no, but um, no. In, in all seriousness,
0: like
1: <laughs> in all seriousness,
0: it's uh, I'm not wearing. I'm not wearing any. I'm not wearing anything on the bottom half right now. Yeah,
1: you're always doing stuff like that just for the attention.
0: But then you have the other, um,
1: uh, the <clears throat> other end of things, where I would say, like Sinead O'Connor tearing a picture of the Pope on Saturday Night Live because she's against the Catholic Church's treatment of abused children, which is a complete selfless act because she's really going to almost you know lose her career and she got death threats. I always thought John Lydon was sort of on the narcissist side, and this is for me from afar. And watching this and then watching interviews from him, I did a complete turnaround, and I think he's more on the Sinead. I, I, I think he is who he says he is, and this is just me from afar, and I really like him and respect him the more I learned about him. Um, and a lot of criticisms I had of like what I knew of punk rock from growing up, he kind of says the same things. Uh, and it, you know, it was surprising to me. Um, so I'll say one thing I found watching this and I kind of just knew I knew Anarchy in the UK from a megadeth song on so far, so good, so what, you know? So it was very from a distance. With
0: very, very uh, misheard lyrics on it. Dave Mustaine yes. needs to clean his ears, clean his ears <laughs> out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But but I'll say, if nothing else, uh, a, a newfound respect for John Lydon and, and everything uh, was what you know very clever man I got from watching. This.
0: I think he yeah. was making every effort to disassociate himself from punk during being the singer of the Sex Pistols. Yeah, very strange. Well, very actually, strange
1: no, and that's kind of what I found really. In- one of the things I found interesting with him is for for uh, music about anarchy and you don't have to follow the rules. There sure is a whole lot of rules. And everybody sort of wears the same uniform. And this is from afar. I know there's exceptions, but, you know, the the leather jacket with the spikes and the spiky hair and all that stuff. And um, he was saying from the beginning that, no, that's not. It's about doing what you want. And what you want doesn't have to be this very narrow sort of set of rules that got established around the time that uh, bands like him and Black Flag and all that stuff sort of really came to the forefront.
0: When you talk about punk you are talking about like the ramones and the pistols and like black flag yep. and the dead kennedys and the clash and the Jam, I suppose and the buzzcocks
1: but i what love the mean? buzzcocks the buzzcocks tom introduced I mean, tom introduced me to the buzzcocks and i think uh, uh,
0: such a fantastic probably my favorite my favorite punk band but then it depends yeah. what you call punk because you know they I mean? kind of have
1: some poppy yeah they're
0: pop they're a pop band yeah. but a mighty fine pop band but the sex pistols to me are the greatest punk band Sure. Just everything about them. And I can imagine all the American, because like, the difference between UK punk and American punk is so striking. I mean, you had Malcolm McLaren skitting between the two because he'd, he'd already managed the New York Dolls, New York Dolls yeah. kind of. He's an interesting character himself. I think the Sex Pistols kind of had it all. They had the best music and the best punk image. Probably because it, ties in, it tied in with the fashion. I mean, who else has like a fashion designer? basically in the band kind of well and that's something
1: and that's something that that tom would go into where when you talk about modern pop punk and things he didn't like it and his thing that he would go into is back then they would make their own clothes and from the sex shop you take this sort of you know fetish outfits and you sort of make them into your your uniform and now kids go to hot topic and they buy and 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 so it's really uh the, one of the oldest versions I've heard of the argument for cultural appropriation where he's saying they're taking everything mm. we believed in and, and and just ruining it. My argument for those kids going to Hot Topic is, mm. you know, people need to find themselves. And sometimes the best way to find yourself is to try different things. And so I, I don't hold it against, you know, especially younger people
0: that want to well, sort of what, try what did on you these call, things. Um, what did you call modern... Were you talking about Green Day and that at the time? Yeah,
1: like Green Day... Uh, what was I'm trying to think of? There was a lot because of I, was bands wearing, at the time. Cause
0: I was wearing because I was wearing a padlock around my neck, right? Yeah. To try and look like Sid Vicious, I was the worst Rancid case.
1: Rancid
0: another group. Well, do you know what, when you talk about like Rancid and that as well? Yeah. I remember like looking. I don't really remember the music, but I remember sort of seeing them, the, the image of them. Yeah. A lot of those bands were absolute cliche punks. Yeah. yeah. Like they bought all brand new punk. Yeah. With punk things. Yeah. But I kind of I was doing that a bit myself. So it's hard to be too critical. Well, sure. When you're young, and you don't even realise what you're doing until you get argue, to my age.
1: I would argue the biggest punk things for probably our generation would be grunge. Because I would yeah, think, you, was, and especially, punk. you've got Nirvana, but especially like acts like Mud Honey and Sonic Youth, and it was that. We're doing things ourselves. We might not be able to play our instruments as good, even though there were acts that were fantastic musicians. And at the time, there were... The Sex Pistols were sort of reacting about that really overproduced 1970s virtuoso Mm. recordings and saying, hey, I can play three chords, but I've I've got something to say. I think grunge sort of did that. And I would argue that rap sort of hip hop is is an extension of that. And and, and as a middle class white guy, you go, no, but think who who don't your parents want you to listen to now? And it's not punk. And and so I think there is a certain elements that they took from that, too. Where, so I don't think what outgrew from punk is necessarily guys with spiky hair right now, no, playing
0: three chords in, in basements. Um, what you've said is exactly what I've been saying over the course of 156 uh, Discover videos, which is um, I think the punk, the punk, punk was a like a spirit of a, a mm-hmm. zest, a joy de vive, which meant that the jam, the clash, and the sex pistols and the buzzcocks all sounded completely different. Yeah. Because punk was just... I think there's a line in here where the actor who plays Steve Jones says something like, play the court like you're punching him in the face. Yes. And it's kind of like, it's the spirit. Which, so- which
1: did you think that's surprising for him, him coming from the monkeys? Being that... Bad <laughs> joke, sorry. <laughs> That's a bad Davy Was that, was Jones that a Davy joke. Jones? Steve that was Jones? David. Davy Jones. He was doing. Was a, yeah.
0: He was doing a Davy Jones. He was. He was pretending that I'd that he'd miss her. The the, the, the uh, David Jones. Ah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Take the last to train say. to Camden and I'll be there in the morning. I'm a
1: believer. I'm a believer. Destroy. Destroy. da do da 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 do 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 do.
0: I was listening to Yeezus by Kanye West, right? And to me, that was a punk album.
1: Oh yeah. Then
0: I was listening to this, and I mean, I've got some people agreed, some people disagreed. They listen to this, a whole lot of red by um, Playboy Carti, right? It's like a hip hop thing. It's a punk album. Yeah. The, people are still making punk, but it doesn't need to be played with guitars and drums and things. It's a spirit.
1: Well, and, and, it, and well, you know Nirvana what's funny? was punk. Well, Bleach what's funny is punk. if you think about it, you know, when you if you knew how to play an instrument and people started playing grunge or punk, what would the argument be? Oh, they can't even play their instruments. And what do they do with hip-hop? They go, they're not even playing the songs. It's just samples. They're not as technically proficient as us. And, And to me, the idea with music was always, I want a voice. I don't have a voice. And I want a voice. And sometimes you don't know, and it's like you do whatever you can to get out there. And if people respond to it, well, it's working, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. So to go back to the show... Okay. I don't think it captured the Sex Pistols story accurately, no. but I don't think it's what Danny Boyle was going for. I, don't, I think if he watched this, if he listened to this podcast right now, I think he'd be coming back at us and saying, I wasn't trying to show it accurately, guys. You could tell that. I was just trying to be entertaining and capture a little bit of the spirit of punk. Do you ever watch uh, The Big Bang Theory? <laughs> I watched all of it. I watched so, all of it. So, during think that COVID, this, do
1: you think that this show is the Big Big Bang ver- uh, Theory version of punk rock? In other words, people who aren't into punk rock will be like, "Oh, that's what those guys are." But if you're actually into it, you're like, "This is nothing like we are." Because I find like with do nerds, that's you know, you the Big think, Bang Theory.
0: Do you think that someone who's not into the Sex Pistols or not into punk yeah. would actually well, well? Okay, let's assume that they do choose to watch it. I don't; they wouldn't, but let's assume they do. Do you think they'd like it? Because I think he is doing what you just said. He's he's yeah. making a version of the Sex Pistols, this band that the youth of today may have heard of, yeah, may have heard of, and he's showing and he's and he's trying to show them quite. I think he's trying he's syrup coating it a little bit, sugar coating it, but he's trying to say maybe it's a band that he loved. I don't know, and he's trying to say, look at this, look how amazing they That's were. A,
1: it's a hard, it's a hard. Question and answer. Just because the newest episode, uh, season of Stranger Things, and not to spoil too much, I'll just say there's a couple songs that they use. Uh, well, I don't know if They, you have they must have used
0: it. Run Up, Running Up
1: That Hill." Well, "Run Up the Hill" and Metallica's "Master of Puppets." Yeah, and I've, I've um, heard of that because they've used it. A lot of people that never were into either song now are are checking out the bands for the first time. So it's possible. I don't know how much of Middle America is like on TikTok going, "Oh, it's." <laughs> Let's let's learn about the guy
0: with rotten teeth. Um,
1: they've always because, worn the t-shirts, you
0: know. haven't they though? Have you noticed that um, if you watch if you look at Instagram or whatever over yeah. the over over t- 10 20 years now.
1: Yeah. You'll get
0: kind of cute teenage girls dressed in slayer t-shirts and and um, yeah. have thrash metal usually t-shirts and you know that they've never listened to that band. Yeah. And some people get angry about it. I've never I've never minded that. I can see why they do it.
1: Yeah, I never minded it either. Well, there's a lot of gatekeeping happening with music. And I just think we're going to die someday. If you find something you enjoy and it makes you feel good, have at it.
0: If you Uh, want to wear a a Slayer T-shirt, you don't know who Slayer are, be a bit careful. I guess, and not to be too... Be a bit careful, but yeah. (laughs) Not to be too self-important,
1: but I never found myself wanting to be... There were times, I remember my first concert, we had these terrible like outfits and i had the hair over my, my face and stuff and so, so there were times but for the most part i never wanted to join a group like i never was like yeah i agree with everything and this goes even with politics like yeah i agree with everything that group says and i just felt like that made no sense to me and not even as like a i'm um, cool stance just like i didn't understand why you how we're so complicated how do you agree with everything somebody's about um so when it comes to like fashion and stuff, I was just always boring, I guess.
0: Now I feel I feel like I brought <laughs> No, 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 <laughs> no, I've got I'm 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 just about to bring us all back down to earth with uh, a okay. very, 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 very positive comment here on this show. Something that by putting the caption on the screen now, for those of you who can't uh who can't see it but listening, I put the caption music on the screen.
1: Or if you're like Steve Jones and you're illiterate.
0: You can't. That which is another, which we'll get onto in the next caption, which is the cloak of invisibility. Um, The music I thought was great, right? Because I've never seen this done before. I don't. I don't. You might be able to correct me. You'll probably think of examples, but the music on this show was all played live by the actors, and no overdubs. Actually, recorded live, and you can tell. I was watching it again today. And there's certain points, especially the very early stuff where Steve Jones has miraculously learned his guitar in four days. You know,
1: from what did he take? What drug? method or <laughs> yeah, don't we get me, we'll, yeah, we'll go
0: on to that in a minute, right? But And then the others walk into the room. He plays that um, uh, Stooges riff. And then uh, Paul Cook actor joins in on the drums. And then the Glenn Matlock actor starts playing the bass. You can tell it's all for real. The actors couldn't play the instruments. They learned them for the series. Yeah. Kind of like in real what? life yeah yeah and i thought that was that was really good that yeah. they didn't go down that route of just and i uh, hate this, to do this, this but yeah
1: they um the doors by uh, uh oliver stone that's uh um val kilmer actually singing in yeah. in the movie soundtrack and i would say yes. that actually not to touch the earth the version from that movie is my favorite version of the
0: song he's um He's great. Did you hear the story? I've I've actually got um, the doors written down for a point later, but did you hear the story that I think it was Ray Manzarek or, I mean, John Densmore, Robbie Krieger? I'm just name, just let let me interrupt
1: you real quick. Uh, Norm had a great joke where he goes uh, Ray Manzarek dead at 68,
0: the curse of the doors. I see what you're doing there. Uh, that's almost like the, the Hound of a Baskerville's curse. Yeah, yeah. Old man Baskerville died at the age of Old, 97. Old yeah. billionaire died from the curse. Uh, mm. One of them, I think it was Raymond Eric one of them said uh, they, they couldn't tell the difference. They listened to, this, so they listened to Val Kilmer singing a version and they thought it was Jim Morrison. That's and crazy. they had to be told, no, it's not. It's Val Kilmer. And they were like, holy shit. I thought. See, I watched. Um, I watched a massive YouTube documentary on the Doors. It was. It was about. I watched it about four days ago, and it was about an hour long, and it was slagging off every single part of that film because people hate that film. And uh, I love that film, by the way. But that that film, I think, and that, right, okay, that film is probably not true film, film, at all. And I it's love not, it. Right? I love it. So yeah. I think for the. For the it's interesting because the reasons I love that film, because it's a complete. It's a it's a fairy tale version of the Doors. The reasons I love that film are some of the reasons I like this uh, series. In that, this is a fairy tale version of the Sex Pistols, and the, so to talk about the music, the fact that they did that—the the Johnny Rotten bloke singing, right? Whoever he <laughs> I, I, yeah, I thought overall the idea of making the actors play the songs for real. There's a few bits later. Where it's really weird. the bit where they're recording. Never mind the bollocks. Yeah, in the studio very strange decision they play the actual studio recordings and the singer while he's recording sings over the top and you can hear johnny rotten underneath the real johnny rotten which you really
1: can't do that's karaoke right i mean i've never heard of that
0: but but because it's so obvious you can hear the original recording and he's singing over the top in the studio and if you notice towards the very end of the series they start to switch between the real sex pistols and the fake sex pistols um, and the, just momentarily, it's the real Johnny Rotten on stage. And then they flick back again. Yeah, I did. I quite, that. There was lots of clever little things going on. Where do, you think they're on banking, boys just...
1: do you think they're banking on you not knowing how recording works? Like when they're playing I, the actual vocals? Th-
0: it was so obvious. I think everything was intentional. And I think he he's just saying, yeah, that that's the real. I think he was it starts off with our actors and by the end we're starting to yeah. mix to the point a bit like the Elvis have you seen the Elvis film?
1: No, I'm the not Baz a The Baz Luhrmann Elvis, Elvis, Elvis guy. film. Yeah, I'm not, not a big not... Elvis guy.
0: Oh, I see, I'm a, big, I'm a big Elvis fan as yeah. well. But that's similar in that um, not to give I don't want to do any spoilers um, he dies he,
1: toilet, he gets though, fat all things.
0: he gets fat yeah. not to do any spoilers but Elvis gets fat. Where right? him and, and Jim Morrison meet that, yeah, kind of, kind of imagine a, a very messy f- orgy between Elvis and Jim. But by the end of the Elvis film, uh, it becomes the real Elvis sort of thing. Oh, okay. Um, but so, what, so, okay, so I've, I've just so I I've a, spoken I've... What did you think about the way that the music was basically played live throughout?
1: I, I liked it. Um, there were a couple points that bothered me, him learning guitar in, in four days.
0: Um, uh, that's um, that, that's going to be uh, the next. Uh, yeah, so tool. I won't
1: go into that. In fact, I do want to get into something with the name, the Sex Pistols, which actually the name of the store that Malcolm McLaren and his wife Vivian Westwood owned, I believe was called the Sex Shop. Um, it was or, just called Sex. It was just called Sex. So it's based on that, but it was interesting. If you think of Sex Pistols, because it's love and death. And I'm going somewhere with this, but there's uh, a lot of early psychologists talked about the interplay subconsciously, you know, the life death uh, rebirth archetype, you know, thing where where sex and death are, are sort of intertwined together. And as a kid, a lot of slasher movies would have the girl would be you know naked and then she would get killed. <laughs> I'm going somewhere with this. She get yeah. killed like she get killed like right after, you know. So it was interesting the interplay, and in, in particular, I remember one film. When I was younger, were these teenage <laughs> these teenage girls were in the mall, and uh, at midnight they were trapped in the mall, and these robots got loose. They were security robots, and they attacked them. And there was one scene that I remember as a kid watching, where the women were uh, running topless, right, and from behind the robots, laser shot and they blew their head off, which is a really kind of a messed up thing to see at twelve for your like sexual development. And I have to say to this day, <laughs> when I'm with <laughs> when I'm with my wife alone in order to you know i have to have robots shoot her head off <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry
0: i i've been holding on to that for that that for two weeks <laughs> i mean everyone has their own ways of getting a kick you out know, of life
1: it's it's, it's, it's very expensive You're... i you mean
0: all these, you have to you have to build these robots
1: Oh, don't get me started on the logistics and covering up our murder every time and cloning my wife. It's uh, but uh, actually said that to her like two weeks ago. I got a laugh out of her, so I'm like, ah, and then like all this time goes by, so I wanted to make sure I I got you thinking.
0: Must remember, must remember it, must remember it, must remember it, must remember it. But uh,
1: but how they handled the music, getting back to that, and uh, you know, I like, I I think that matches the spirit of the group having them try to learn just like that he learned, uh, in particular, Steve Jones. And we'll probably get into it later. I loved how supportive some of the members' parents were. Uh, the drummer, uh, who was uh, Paul Cook, I believe, Paul Cook. And, and Glenn Matlock, the original bass player, um, both seemed to have really supportive parents. And uh, I loved the the little story about how they'd let him play the drum set in their bedroom. As a parent myself, I just thought that was really cool. And they'd go to his shows, and they're like singing, you know, F authority and the parents are in the background cheering for him. I really like that. And um, there was one note I made because as I was watching, I was making notes. And uh, Ron, who is, uh, I think, is Steve Jones' uh, parent, his father. There was a point where he was he was slagging him off because uh, he was a blue collar worker. And so in my notes, I wrote he should apologize to Ron for making those rings because I think he made rings to sort of like. And then in parentheses, I put never mind, he's a pedophile. <laughs>
0: so so you wrote that note you wrote that note at the very first time it's like uh, yes and then in parentheses after they showed that he sexually abused him (laughs) never mind (laughs) yeah that's the danger isn't it of making a comment too soon yeah Mm -hmm. I was gonna talk about the acting in general right okay I didn't like a lot of the acting I thought it was quite bad and I thought the script was very bad but let's take it individually a minute, right? Because one of the okay. things that took me out the most, the singer of The Pretenders, yeah. right? Chrissy yes, Hine, Yes, Chrissy Hine. Right? Hine,
1: yes, yeah.
0: It took me a few episodes in to realize who that was because yeah. that girl playing the part looks nothing like you Chrissy Hine. You know what
1: she reminded me of? she uh, This is showing my age, but that Beverly Hills 90210... Oh, Shannon Doherty. Yeah, she looked just like
0: a... I was like, yeah. did they clone her or something? Do you know who I thought it was? I actually genuinely thought it was, and I had to um, Google it, because I thought it was her. The uh, The Joy robot out of um, Blade Runner 2049. Um, uh, oh, oh out of, yeah. Um, Knives, Knives Out. Yes, uh,
1: yeah, she's beautiful, uh, but I know who you're talking she, about.
0: Oh, gorgeous girl. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, I thought, right, so I thought she was alright. I thought, in terms of acting, I thought she's maybe the best thing in it. Sure. But, the idea that she was Chrissy Hind out of the Pretenders dear, yeah. completely over my head. Yeah. Um, and a lot of Send her money. back to the chain gang. A lot. Of, yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. I only know two Pretender souls, I think. That actually of them. went through,
1: and like, that's one we of them. This, I was doing notes and I was like listening to her, um, her playlist, the Pretenders playlist. And what I thought was kind of funny was she's like, I'm going to sleep with this guy from the Sex Pistols and then become an adult contemporary icon. Um, a couple of funny things. Rush Limbaugh, who's a super conservative guy
0: that, well, passed say that away name recently Rush Limbaugh. That, there's a guy called Rush Limbaugh.
1: Yep, and he was he was huge. He started sort was of he a Fox punk rocker? News. No, he was a he was a conservative Republican guy, and I'm making no comments on politics, but he started Fox News and everything, sort of you could argue Boo! grew up from him. Oh stop it. <laughs> <laughs> but he played, but one of her songs he played for his theme song throughout the whole oh. thing. And then another thing um, with her is um, that song, I'll Stand By You. Uh,
0: yeah, I right. always
1: will remember her. Uh, when I was, at, when I was like a young, a young lad, my mom sent me one summer to do like a voc- take vocational tech sort of school little thing they had over the summer. And it was the summer of adult contemporary. That Wilson Phillips song that was terrible. That terrible Wilson Phillips song was like huge. And then I'll Stand By You was like every other song. And I couldn't stand it. And then when I put the pieces together, I was like, oh God. Um Wow. Yeah, yeah,
0: but, right. Uh, yeah, I stand I'll stand by you.
1: I'll stand by you.
0: And don't there's let a Christmas song.
1: Hurt you.
0: Um, Christmas song. Um I don't know the Christmas one. She's got a Christmas song that I have to listen to and, and endure every single year. Ugh. I'm not a pretenders fan particularly. Don't like Chrissy Hynde. She's she's on Friends as well. She she um sung oh, with Phoebe. She? Yeah. I didn't know that.
1: Well it looks yeah. like if you look at her biography she's, it's
0: cat. She, she, she just she just kicks did every, cat.
1: Oh, she just kills she just kicks everybody out of the band
0: like every few years Oh really? It's just her. She's one of those bands Well, she's one of the bands where oh there's loads of bands like that isn't there where really mm. it's just one person and they just keep mm. So uh, but I agree with you and even with what little was the knowledge best thing in it, I had
1: baby. Yeah, she was great actress but yeah, too pretty. And no offense. To, 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 just, no offense to actually Chrissy Hines, but uh or what
0: name whatever. She's her name just is, it just yeah. pulled me out. Johnny Chrissy Rotten, Hyde. I've got next. Johnny Rotten, right? I th- Right, so that's an interesting casting decision, right? Yeah. I thought the way he played him was interesting. Because didn't you feel that John Linden is much more
1: charismatic? And he sort of had it when he was singing, like when he was on stage in the show, where he would have that charisma. I've no of...
0: idea what John Linden was doing. Oh, John, Lydon, John Lydon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm saying Johnny Rotten. I don't care. Johnny Rotten. Johnny us so, call him Johnny Rotten. Johnny Rotten. So when Johnny Rotten was on stage in the show, I felt like the charisma came across. But if you watch interviews with Johnny Rotten, John Lydon now, he's very charismatic, very you know, and he, yeah. he can be confrontational.
0: But it, it's more—it
1: it seems more witty than in the show. It seemed more just like cut you off and I hate your guts.
0: He's an interesting character as John Johnny John Lydon. He ain't half putting a lot of that on, and I think he's actually quite mm-hmm. a clever, nice bloke. I think so too. Yeah, and I don't. Right, so, my, so in this program, I laughed at first when with the with that whole "I'm 18 bit at the beginning when he's singing the Alice Cooper song and he's, yeah. um, he's acting so weirdly. By the end, I thought he may just be the one of the best things about it. I quite, yeah. I he quite like that actor, Johnny Rotten. Me. Yeah, he grew. And on by me. the end, I think yeah. he actually won, and he may he looking down the list. He may be the best thing in it. I can see. Yeah, I would agree with that. Maybe the best thing in it. I'd agree with that. Whoever that is, congratulations. Well, and it's based
1: off the book by Steve Jones. And unfortunately, Steve Jones is not the most interesting
0: by a long shot. We should have said that at the beginning. This this, uh, whole series is based on the autobiography, the story by Steve Jones, the guitar player, who does not get on with Johnny Rotten, and Johnny Rotten does not get on with him. So we'll get on to this. The book was called minute. "My Life
1: After the Monkeys." <laughs>
0: <laughs> Bloody hell! But you mm-hmm. can tell, and Johnny Rotten. So we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute. Johnny Rotten. To, Johnny Rotten wanted nothing to do with this. Well, and Johnny it was Ly- Steve yeah, I saw an Jones, interview. Steve yeah. Jones's story,
1: and he was angry that they didn't like even talk to him before they made it, this. The,
0: yeah, this is this is not good from his point of view. Um, but I thought he was probably the best thing in it, Malcolm McLaren. Very yeah. interesting character in real life, he was. Yeah. He was, uh, he was one of those. Well, do you know what? There's another. I can see so many correlations between this story and Elvis because okay, yeah. Malcolm McLaren and Colonel Tom Parker, Colonel Tom Parker, he was brothers with Colonel Sanders from Kentucky. Colonel, it's yeah. a fun fact. Did you like me, right? Did you? Watch that and think, uh, why did they get a little boy, a little kid, to play part of Malcolm McCarron? <laughs> like a little boy in short pants. He, he, I thought Peter Pan. He just flew in with the elf ears. And, uh... do, you, do you know who that was? No, actually. Because I've got a question. How old do you think that actor is? 16. <laughs> no, uh,
1: 27.
0: 32. Well, I wasn't that far off. <laughs> 32. He well, was a the little kid it, out of um, it, it, Love Actually. One of his big scenes they do, the reenactment
1: of uh, Steve Jones is uh, in trouble at court and he comes as a witness. And the thing is, the way they played the scene, I didn't believe it for a second. It made no sense. Like anyone, it was like an episode of Full House. Like, it it was just so ridiculous. Like his like, oh, I'm his mentor. And if you let him out, like I just thought that the crowd was going to start doing canned laughter. It was really bad.
0: It Uh, was, I can only assume, right, that that... Happened in real life, I
1: think but if it did, I think it probably went down a little bit more real. Exactly. I think. Yeah. I think. Um, I've never read. I just I, said. I, I just. Moment. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just said real life probably happened more realistically.
0: <laughs> real life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Bill. Well done. I like uh, you know, my oh. additions are worthy and innumerable. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Um, in my experience, I find real life. To be more <laughs> realistic than
0: fiction. <laughs> I think Steve Jones wrote a book in which he exaggerated his life, right? Yeah. And this is a program based on his exaggerations. So probably the reason why the likes of Johnny Rotten are against it is that they probably remember it a lot differently. And oh, I'm yeah. sure that maybe Steve. Steve Jones, Jones is like, hey, remember that time where I banged every chick? Yeah, right. And <laughs> I got like, that down, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, sure. So on on yeah. the on the next thing when we're gonna talk about the first episode, right? Yeah. I've written down one thing, which is, I screw a lot of birds. And if this is, is the version of himself he wants to be portrayed on the screen, what a S- dickhead.
1: Speaking of realism, that part where he uh, achieved uh, enlightenment behind that car when the couple were having sex, and then he closed his eyes and he fell backwards. Now, I might be doing it wrong. I don't know. But has
0: it ever been so good for you that you closed your eyes and fell backwards on the pavement? Did you like Malcolm McLaren's acting person? Yes or no? Yes. Yes, I'm going to say yes as well. My first reaction was, you've got to be kidding me. A schoolboy in short pants. Actually, by the end, I thought, no, you're right, mate. He was in in, uh, The Queen's Gambit. On Netflix, he was a chess player. And he was in Game of Thrones as well. Oh, Game of Thrones. We've got to mention something from Game of Thrones. He was the brother.
1: He was the brother. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Aria showing the goods. Let's just
0: do it now. In fact, before before we go on to Sid and Nancy, let's just talk about the fact that Aria is in it wearing nothing but a see-through rain mac.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that's kind of like, what what else does she do in the show? Like, her role seems to be, she's topless, and then every once in a while they cut to her and she's like,
0: she well, says, yeah. do, do, you, do, do you know she's based on the real person yes. from, from that era? Because they show, I watched the real
1: interview they did uh, when they cursed live on, they were all drunk with Yeah, 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 guy. the Bill Grundy show. Yeah.
0: Um, so, I, and to be fair, I don't know, I don't really know the whole story of that. I think she's called Jordan or something like that. I don't know the whole story about that girl, but um, she didn't really do much more than wear nothing mm-hmm. under a Mac. Yeah. So, you know, Sid Vicious! Yeah. Sidney Vicious, the actor who played Sid Vicious and the whole role of Sid Vicious. What did you think?
1: I I don't know. I, I actually watched and listened to a couple documentaries about him and Nancy, and so I knew about that coming in. And I didn't have any issues. Like I was like, Ugh. it's hard to say from someone that doesn't know these people." You know. Oh, but, in that case, it,
0: that's not. Yeah, sp- but it seemed well, it seemed much.
1: reasonable. Like I see it seemed like th- he was probably like this. Uh, th- this makes sense. And it's funny, like as much as you like the Sex Pistols, you're like, oh, it'd be terrible to spend any amount of time with any of these people. Oh, my God. I'm not
0: sure about Paul Kerr. I'm not sure about the drummer. The drummer always seemed po- fine. Oh, yeah. Uh, fine. That, and the one, Paul yeah with Kirk. the
1: supportive family and the original bass player. Uh, and Glenn I, Matlock, I, Paul Kerr. As someone who also likes the Beatles, I yeah, had a soft spot for him.
0: Um, yeah. I think I think Johnny Rotten liked the Beatles as well. Yeah. Johnny Rotten wore uh, an I Hate Pink Floyd. T- he just wrote I Hate yeah. on a Pink they Floyd. They played team.
1: the Pink Floyd. Yeah.
0: But he later admitted that he quite liked Pink Floyd. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's full of... Paul Cook, out of interest. What a drummer, right?
1: And the drums are solid on that album. Um, and it's funny because all of the, the singing is sort of the same. Uh, there's not a lot of dynamic shift. And I actually looked it up. And uh, the BPM. And uh, going through their album, uh, 152. Then you got Bodies, which drops down to 78. And then one sixty one,
0: one forty nine, one fifty two, on BPM,
1: one fifty two. No, I am saying it's interesting how he made it interesting.
0: Oh, I see you. You are complimenting yes. the lack of variety in BPM.
1: Well, I am I'm, I'm giving him credit that he took songs that didn't have a lot of variety and dynamic changes, and yet, yeah, he, he managed to make them sound very
0: interesting and keep you engaged. I quite like that bit. It's a, it's a bit in the document in the in program that you probably didn't like. Because it was so contrived, but I thought it was interesting. There's a bit where they're writing their first song, right? It's Anarchy in the UK.
1: Yeah, that's the bit I hate. I know exactly. Yeah, that you're right, right, about. right, right. You're playing and it too fast. They're
0: playing it really fast, right? Like, like yeah. you, like you might if you were if you come up what you think is like a fast thrashy song, and then poor Cook comes in and says, "You want to play it more like reggae?" And he starts to yeah. play, and then within a couple of minutes, well, probably within thirty seconds, they've got Anarchy in the UK as it finally is.
1: Yeah. Which now, definitely I, did not happen. Because they also did not it where the drummer was leaving the band that instant and he just happened yeah. to walk in on I their just, most
0: famous song. Exactly. Being, you know. But what I did like with that was the fact that it's that input that someone can have where they yeah. can be stepped back from the whole thing and people can be struggling with something and someone else just comes along and says, what the that could be good what you're doing, but what if he the made hell a, if are you he doing made, like that
1: for? If, if he made a movie about Albert Einstein, Einstein would be sitting there going, I, I, I can't solve this problem. And, and then his niece would run in and go, Uncle Albert, don't be such a square. And he'd go, square. Square. E equals yes! MC squared! C squared. Oh. I had E equals MC! And for then, the last six years, <laughs> E equals MC! And then they would fade, and he'd be like in a big hall going, and then you square it! Oh. And everyone goes, oh,
0: bravo! Oh, brilliant,
1: brilliant, brilliant! <laughs> oh. But no, and I, and I do think that part is true, and how much a song can change when someone has a small idea that they get the spirit of what you're doing, and they can change something like BPM. Or maybe change from like E to B and the whole song changes just from something that they would have never thought to do themselves. Which So I thought the idea was interesting, but the way they did it, yeah, my eyes were rolling from here till the South Sea.
0: was contrived, but I can see why someone would do that for the mainstream on Disney or in these other films like The Doors. If someone wants to present the idea of being in a band to the wider public you can get away with the idea that someone can learn a guitar in four days and play yeah. and the song can be written in 30 seconds because do you know what whereas we pick up on that and say we just i'm literally looking at the screen going you've got to be kidding me I don't what was think the first, song? What was the first song
1: you tried to learn on guitar when you first oh, started playing
0: i was probably playing when the saint goes when the saints go marching in and uh the house of the rising sun
1: my mine was, I had a cruise guitar, which I actually have around here somewhere. Um, and it was smaller than a normal guitar. It was literally a learning guitar. And I tried to get tablature and learned the Call of Cthulhu and Fade to Black from Metallica. I and I was going, how do these people do that? Like, even the, the rhythm. Um, and it took me a full year, and I still couldn't play well. And I had a couple friends that were amazing at guitar, and I played bass for them. And I had to get good just to, to hang. And then I went back to guitar and it made sense. So, like a week. Now, now, can you play like standard power chords roughly in time? I would still say no. I mean, go listen to someone oh. trying guitar. You gotta get calluses on your hands
0: just to, you know. So you're right, so you're skipping ahead, right? To um... I keep to I'm sorry. It no, doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, doesn't matter. We might as well skip ahead to it now. So uh, Steve Jones in this program learns the guitar in four days, right? He's given a guitar. And he's given some pills to keep him awake, and he, he they gave can't him play guitar. Drugs, yeah, learn guitar drugs. He can't play. The anything. doctor will give
1: him to you. Yeah,
0: the doctor gives him play guitar drugs. Yeah. Four days later, the rest of the band walks in, and he plays Stooges riffs. But what I so right? So Danny Boyle does a thing here, right, where and I've written this down: learning the guitar in four days, and I draw a smiley face. But he does a juxtaposition with Elvis, right? And so you've got an Elvis song playing, and it gets to the crescendo, and there's like a fairy tale, and there's a beautiful vibe of fairy tale, and he picks the guitar up, and he stands there like that, and then he goes to play it, and you think, oh my God, give me a break, and then he strums it, and then the captions on the screen, because I've got the subtitles on, to say, strums guitar out of tune, (laughs) and he just goes, and I thought, okay, you've given a nod to, to Bill and I on that bit You've, you yeah. still allow him to learn the guitar in four days but you give just a nod to us to say because uh, my thought yeah, i watching that scene
1: when he plays the riff and all the bandmates like oh my god I thought to myself if I sent that to you you would politely me tell me that's really good mate and then I'd never hear about it
0: again <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh, but it kind of it kind of fit the vibe because I could see why, because yeah. uh, it's uh, Glenn Matlock's leaving the band at that point. Yeah. And yeah. he's walking out the door. He's saying, ah, oh, I've had enough of this. You can't play. And then he goes, Dan and Dan and Dan and Dan and Dan and Dan. And he turns round at this shit out of tune riff. And he turns <laughs> around. Yeah. And he walks back in and goes, did you just play that? And I thought, yeah, f- yeah. see, right. He did. It was shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, oh, you can hear, right? You can... It, the way they play it live like that, you can there's a vibe there. You can think, actually, yeah, yeah you're right. You put some drums and bass with that. That's, yeah. that's 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 all right. Nancy Spongeon. There was a, a part where she comes in and of
1: course she's addicted to heroin and she goes to stay at Chrissy Hines' apartment. And mm. she, of course, diarrhea is all over the bathroom because she's a <laughs> yes. heroin addict, you know? Yes. And that's then always they, do nice. like, they do this thing where she's laying on the bed and they're kind of like uh, they light her. She's all innocent looking. And she reads the note that Sid Vicious wrote, which is real romantic. Why I like you, because you're hot and, like, you give me an erection as <laughs> number guess. two. And they play, they're play, they acting like it's very sweet. And so she goes, she says to Chris, she goes, Thank you. You are the first person to ever be nice to me. And I know that the show wants me, and maybe if I was younger, I think if I was younger, I'd go... Oh, I see that this girl has hidden depths and it's, sad and, you know, but what I actually, yeah. you know, they say when you're old, they go get off my lawn. I yeah. thought, cause now at my age, if someone like that came to my house, the first thing I would do is I would get the hose and I would turn <laughs> it on and I would spray them with the hose until yeah. they left uh, until yeah. they left. And, um, yeah. because it's just, and, and not to sort of, she did have a very tough childhood if you find out about her and, a Tough life, and so did Sid Vicious. But you learn that those people just being around they just destroy everything around them and they don't care. And, and it's not that yeah. the, it isn't sad, it is, but you just you learn that it would just keep them as far away. And, she, and what did she do? She killed the band, separated them, and, and you know, he was accused of her murder. And uh, from what I've learned of documentaries, it sounds like it was a local drug dealer with a really cool name. That did it. What was it? It was like World Be Free or something crazy. I got to Google that, what his name was.
0: Well, Uh, Google it. But that's one, that's going to be, that's a point for later. Of
1: course it is. That's
0: a story best left for the caravan. Sid and Nancy, I thought they were right acting wise. Cloak, the Cloak of Invincibility. That was episode one, right? We don't have to spend too long. What did I, what did I write for episode one? I just wrote, um, this is, this is sort of introducing us to Steve Jones primarily. And Malcolm McLaren, yes. and it's his. I uh, uh, yeah, I screw a lot of birds.
1: Rockets Red Glare, that was the name of the drug dealer that supposedly actually killed uh, Nancy uh, Spungen.
0: I haven't heard that story. What but is is someone suggesting that uh, there was someone else involved in that? Yeah, the, the idea know.
1: is that Sid Sid uh, either left and or I think he left for to get drugs, or he passed out, and then the drug dealer. I think he had left, and the drug dealer is the one that ended up killing her and then leaving and letting uh, Sid take the blame because he was, I think he was passed out. He was so like...
0: Oh, isn't it more likely that Sid just uh, stabbed her in some nonsense?
1: I have no, I don't know any of these people, so I don't know what's more. I just know that Rocket's Red Glare, I'm going to call myself that from now on. Well, if you you
0: can get away with it, I mean, uh, uh, yeah. You've got got an interesting life ahead of you when your name's Rocket.
1: (laughs) That's Red Glare to you, sir
0: uh I, I i screw a lot of birds uh i think the cloak of invisibility keeps reoccurring throughout it's the idea that steve jones portrays in his book i suppose it, it's that, something that, that, that you can he see just him feels invisible of. to the world he feels it's invisible to the world it's something that you can see
1: of as interesting as a literary device but in the show they keep bringing it out and you get it's supposed to be meaningful it's right, you ever watch something and you go i i get that's supposed to hit me and it just
0: doesn't it, it's it's a weird one cuz He's dis I think he's quite a dislikable character even though he's supposed yeah. to be the main character which is you could have a dislikable character I didn't like yeah. Walt white from the from episode one but
1: but he was charismatic and and I don't think uh he was very Steve Jones is very charismatic
0: I think what they were trying to get at then throughout was the fact that he's an abuse victim and lots of the things that he could do and couldn't do were all influenced by it it was so on the nose of this, right it was so yeah. on the nose. So many points from now on throughout everything we're going to say. I'm going to keep going. It was so on the nose, especially yeah. uh, two episodes time. Bodies. Don't get me started on that. Yeah. Let's. Have you got anything in particular you want to say about Mr. Steve Jones? Because that's what this episode seems to all be about.
1: Didn't almost was if we weren't doing a uh, podcast about it, I probably would have bowed out at this point of the uh, of the show because I uh, didn't find yeah. Him- I didn't find I, him interesting. The cinematography, like I said, there was a ton of classic rock, and it was almost like too much. And I'll go back to Scorsese, who uses songs in movies, but there's a there's a balance when you use it, and it's right, it works amazingly well. This is a
0: music program related program. Uh,
1: yes, but I feel like he was just throwing stuff at the wall. This first, if you, I, I would be curious to look at the credits of how many songs they licensed.
0: Well, for I'm assuming one. that I'm assuming that uh, I haven't read the book. But I'm assuming that it must be true that Steve Jones was stealing David Bowie's equipment from like the Hammersmith Odeon or whatever. Oh,
1: that was the so... first. Th- and did he clip the XLR to get it? Was that a lock when he stole the... Uh...
0: Oh, I don't know why. I couldn't idiot, tell what he... he. Cl-
1: I was like, why do you have to clip something to grab a... And why are you leaving the mic? I- I- I've, worked- I've worked in live sound and we don't tend to just leave the mic up
0: on the stand. I didn't mind any of that. And then because they then had to use the David Bowie thing. And then I quite liked the... Uh, relationship between steve jones and chrissy hind i didn't believe it but i liked it the fact that they were using the bowie song to i think they should do one more two. i think they should
1: do one more innuendo about singing the bowie song i don't think yeah. that was hammered home enough
0: it was on the nose it was on the nose. i didn't mind it but it was on the nose but we can move on yeah we can we go. can move on we can move on uh, i yeah i i'm not sure then the second episode right so this is where um they had the Johnny Rotten audition bit where Johnny says that he did walk down the street. He he had this Malcolm McLaren bit. He was wearing the I Hate Pink Floyd t-shirt. And he did sing Alice Cooper's I'm 18. Yeah. And I I think I've seen Alice Cooper like six times. Now. I only saw him last month, was it? At the O2. Yeah. He is just my... I like the fact that one of my favourite ever bands, the singer of the band got the job by singing another one of my favourite ever bands yeah, song. That's I cool. quite like that. Yeah, and I quite like the fact that "Love It to Death," the album that that song's on, is quite punk from 1971. It's like the there was punk before punk.
1: Well, sure. Do
0: you know what I mean? They everyone thinks it was like invented, but I think it was the spirit of punk. Yeah. I was going to say it was the a same spirit. Thing. And then, oh, so this is the episode. So we've already talked about it. So you don't need to do it. But yeah, the idea you've touched upon it—the idea that you could you could ever learn a guitar in four days. Yeah. Um, it's a joke. I spent so long uh, trying to learn the guitar when I was a, a teenager. And I wasn't any good at the guitar for the first couple of years, really.
1: And it takes that long to really like feel comfortable. It's a
0: really hard instrument. And what you'll find is that the people who think a guitar is easy are only the people that ever stuck with it. Most people get a guitar, like a surfboard or any other yeah. hobby. Everyone's got a guitar that they... you realize it's hard and then you stop they'll play it a couple of days maybe they'll play it for four days and think sod this um it'd be interesting to know what the real story is with steve jones i mean i'm assuming that it's a this is a heightened reality but i would i can only guess that steve jones really did learn the guitar quickly you know power chords or whatever well and i think that's the trick is
1: yeah when you're bashing out power chords you can sort of get away and if the drummer's keeping up the rhythm you know, because a big thing with guitar that you don't get is there's the technical playing the notes, and then there's feel. And and feel takes a long time where you're not just going and awkwardly hitting it. And so, but I think if you're going to join any band doing it, the Sex Pistols is probably the band to do it.
0: If you, um, if you listen to the Sex Pistols music, right, uh, Steve Jones's guitar playing is absolutely yeah. incredible. Yeah. It's it's fantastic. What a musician. Overdubs of guitars, which they, they make a joke about in this documentary. Where he's or, playing bass too, yeah. Was. But the, the sheer number of overdubs, some of the little solos he plays, the intricacy, the timing of the rhythm. Steve Jones is a hell of a player. I just don't buy this whole way he's portrayed in this. Glenn Matlock was a decent bass player, great songwriter. Yeah. By the time they recorded the their own the album... Yeah, Paul Cook was great. Do you know what? Yeah. They, they, they kind of. I think they portrayed them well enough that by the end, even fans, even non-fans, would think, "Oh, do you know what? They were right." But yeah. they did him a bit of a disservice because Johnny Rotten was a fantastic singer. I don't like, I don't quite like the way he's portrayed in this. In that, they're kind of making out that he was just all about show. And if you listen to his singing, he's perfectly. He's one of the greats because you hear one second of Johnny Rotten singing and you know. And you can tell you it's him. Well, yeah. I think he
1: also proves though that how much of just life in general, not not just being a singer of a band, is about having the utmost commitment and confidence in what you're doing. And and like him even slagging himself off. But just the way he sings, I'm going to like there's no self-doubt there. And I think that's what attracts people to listen to it because it's you hear yeah. it and you're like, this guy, I don't know if I agree with him, but this guy believes it. And I think yeah. he, he just really, and that charisma, he has, he's smart. And I think, I think British bands tend to have more, I don't want to say more, but a lot of them really give a shit about the lyrics. And, and I think he's obviously one that it's, what you can tell that it's really important to him what he's saying. Um, where so many bands are like, it's just, I hum the melody and it worked out what rhymes with park and let's go. And and you don't, get, it, it, it's like almost Bob Dylan and not that he's Bob Dylan, but I just mean in the essence of the song's about what I'm saying. That's what the song's about. Not the melody, not the the hook as I, much.
0: In yeah, his I, 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 I agree with that. I mean, I'm not sure whether Bob Dylan would ever rhyme anarchist, <laughs> antichrist with anarchist. And the way that yeah. uh, Johnny Rotten does it in the song is, I've always thought, is very interesting because I would definitely not do what he does. Yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong with, I am an Antichrist and I am an anarchist. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. There's nothing. He never had to I go anarchist. I might destroy, anarchized.
1: possibly. And it's like, um, I, I think, uh,
0: but I don't, think. Don't that... sing Dave Mustaine lyrics. <laughs> don't sing <laughs> Dave Mustaine's misheard lyrics. That's what you were just <laughs> doing then. Sorry. That's not what you were but just think... doing then. Passes by.
1: But I think I, I think to him, oddly council enough,
0: tenancies, council tenancies.
1: Oh, really? Not
0: like tendencies. <laughs> Have you what? listened to I mean, it? I think that's going to require
1: a beep. In the uh, I will, I will
0: beep it. Dave Mustaine, right? Another like tendencies. And when he was asked about it, why the hell did you say that? He went, oh, "Isn't that what he says?" And they are like, "No, he <laughs> says council tenancies, council in the in the UK." Uh, A a complete... I mean, the thing is, right, um, the Sex Pistols are one of the only bands that I ever covered live. When I was uh, playing in bands, when I was um, in in the punk bands, I've done very, very few covers my entire life, but I would always play Pretty Vacant and I'm Not Your Stepping Stone, the Sex Pistols version. And back then there was no internet, so I couldn't find the lyrics and I misheard... Sex Pistols lyrics. And I myself have missung sung Sex Pistols lyrics live. So what I'm trying to say there You're is You're like, that he said, he said, I'm same just same stalling.
1: Same. He said, I'm just stalling. And I sang, I love Stalin. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the album's called Nevermind the Bullocks. I always thought bullocks meant like bullshit. Bollocks. I don't know. I'm not, I always thought it meant like bullshit. And then by urban dictionary and it says Balls. So the album is Never Mind My Balls, which ironically is what I say when I'm walking past someone on an airplane. I say, Never Mind My Balls.
0: <laughs> You're supposed to wear pants on an airplane.
1: <laughs> Sorry, Never Mind My Balls. I'm just going <laughs> past. I'm polite about it. I say, Never Mind My Balls. I'm passing by. It's
0: oh, the moment. Whoa, over. Never Mind the balls. <laughs> is that what the album is, Never Mind My Balls? Never Mind... Yeah, it's, it's just one of those great, great British words. <laughs> and that's another point in the in the series, actually, where they're going, what should we call the album? And someone's going, oh, I don't yeah. know, let's call it, let's call it Dented Tin Can. And someone else says, oh, let's call it the Red Ribbon Bell Worshippers. And then oh, yeah, someone yeah. goes, uh, let's just, I've got a brilliant idea here because I wrote the book and this series is based on my words. I reckon we'll call it, I can imagine Johnny Rotten just going, you didn't f- say that let's just call it Nevermind the Bollocks, Here's the Sex Pistols. And it was, F- yes, that's it. <laughs> like, as if there wouldn't have been an argument. What? You want to call it what? Yeah, exactly. Like, they just went, that's Hang it. Hang on, explain that one. You want to call it what? They go to record Nevermind the Bollocks, Here's the Sex Pistols. And they at that point in time, they've got a bass player who can't play a single note yeah. because he's all about the looks. And he had he, yep. the second best, look, maybe the first best looking punk of all time. Um, so basically Steve Jones played all the bass lines as well and, uh, really accomplished musician, which does not come across in, they no, really in downplay the it. Really he didn't say it. that
1: line. He said that line, but they don't, they don't really act like he, he can play.
0: Yeah, I think so. Right. Just let me just do let's Just do a few lyrics for this particular episode. This is episode three, right? And it goes a bit like this. It goes... She was a girl from Birmingham. She just had an abortion. She was a case of insanity. Her name was Pauline. She lived in a tree. She was a no one who killed her baby. She sent us letters from the country. She was an animal. She was a bloody disgrace. Now, I, that has always been a very um, borderline edgy song. I would say, when it comes to bodies, that the Sex Pistols were Everything they wore and everything they said, and everything they did was to cause annoyance, a nuisance, and to sort of kind of uh, attack the establishment so yes, the sex pistol would, would would have a very on the nose song about i mean. <laughs> Listen to the Well, here's, 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 well
1: and, and here's what's interesting about how they – and I kind of got into it a little bit – how they cover it in the show. And what I was going to kind of say is it's a very, very serious topic with a woman who who is sexually abused in a mental asylum and is having abortions and carrying them around because clearly she's disturbed. And either Steve Jones went, hey, you know that girl had the abortion sexually – I banged her. Let's put that in the book. Or, or, or the director said, you know what? let's take this poor woman and have a really awkward sex scene in a car when she's carrying a dead baby. And that's and I'm joking because it just is ridiculous to me. Do you believe I, I it? I don't believe
0: no, it. No, no, I don't think that happened. I, think, no, I don't either. I think there's elements. I think what I've, what I've read from Johnny Rotten, and I'm going back years now, I haven't read anything. I haven't researched it for this, but I remember Johnny Rotten said, because he wrote, uh, you know, she was a girl from Birmingham. Well, Birmingham's, mid, you know, it's where Black Sabbath and Judas Priest come from, mid uh, 200, 200 miles that way. Um, and she had the Birmingham accent. So they're trying to, they're trying to put it all in. She was a girl from Birmingham. She just had an abortion. Uh, you know, um, she was a case of insanity. Her name was Pauline. She lived in a tree. Apparently she was in a tree when they were talking Tree house
1: Treehouse or something? Yeah. Treehouse.
0: Uh, uh, and apparently John Lydon says that she once carried a fetus in a bag. I don't know believe whether i believe any of it really and i think it's an odd i don't know why danny boyle chose that song to pin a whole episode on because i think that episode was really weird it went into well, like and, a kind of serial killer um yeah. kind of you know, like those edgy uh, they literally did the seven Netflix. what's in the box
1: they did a seven was, what's in the box Odd. When she she was in the sex shop and she opened up her bag and yeah. went, ah, get out. I didn't like it. I didn't buy it. I didn't like it. I didn't buy it. She was it, all right.
0: Think... The, the actress, everything was all. It, it no, she was fine. Done badly. I just she didn't like it.
1: But the way they betrayed her and the way they acted towards her just didn't make any sense. Um, the
0: sex scene in the car immediately yeah. before he's marrying that gorgeous girl out of Blade Runner.
1: Yeah. And I didn't know the backstory watching that episode.
0: So they're starting up with it. I'm just going, what is this? Like, what does I mean, this have to do with if it? If I'm being positive, I could say that they didn't shy away from stuff. They, yeah. I think Danny Boyle was making too much effort to defend the indefensible. So the Sex Pistols, because of Malcolm McLaren and Vivian Westwood and the whole, there was a whole wave in the 70s, which is hard to imagine now, but they were wearing swastikas They were wearing Nazi regalia to annoy people. It's almost like Danny Boyle knows he's going to do a sex pistols program for Disney. And his immediate thought is, this is a band that wore swastikas on stage and sung about abortion. I'm going to justify it. So I'm going to show some children making swastikas and painting them pink. And I'm going to, on the nose, say to camera...
1: Why this is what it is.
0: It's a pink swastika, you see. So we're, we're showing a juxtaposition between the atrocities of war and, you know, and I, I thought when Vivian Westwood was saying that with the children, I was shouting yeah. at the screen, bollocks! Yeah. And then when they spent the whole episode justifying the lyrics of a song that may or may not be true and who cares, yeah. I thought, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? I didn't like... I liked I, I didn't hate it. I thought there was good bits in it, that episode. But I I think I think anything? the only I think what good came on out of nose. it is if I'm you're looking on at the it, nose.
1: If you're looking at it from a storytelling perspective, that this is the story of the band, I think it helped with um John Lyden because he was very sim- at the point he was just kind of angry at everyone, uh cynical to everyone, didn't really show any heart except for when they'd make fun of him, they'd kind of show him like Ooh, like a little bit. And I mm. think he took her in And showed empathy towards her. And I think that humanized him as a character. So to me, I think that was the important thing. Not that her issues weren't important, but I don't know if her issues and the issue of abortion and everything. I don't know if this was the time or place. I don't know. I felt like you either give the whole series to that story. I don't feel like that's something you cram in 15 minutes here and there uh, to tell. But... You know, it's a difficult thing. And when you take on uh, things that are um, controversial, it's very difficult to do right. So I'm not, I'm not saying, making a comment on, you know. But yeah, it just felt weird to me. It just didn't, you know, I don't know. I didn't, it felt I didn't like for it.
0: You're, making, you're making a series about Sex Pistols, right? This is a yeah. band that only released one album, right? So I think he's got the track listing in front of him. And he knows he has to include, you know, Anarchy in the UK, Pretty Vacant, God Save the Queen. There's certain songs he has to include. There's a, there's a very short body of work, and he's basing a series around it. You've got this glaring song that's on there still. It's just there. I actually quite like the song. It's it's really, yeah. it's the, I think it's the heaviest. It's a yeah. really good, I, I'm not saying I don't like the song. I've read through the lyrics, because I used to sing it all the time. It's a great line. It's, this and f*** that. F- the yeah. f- that. You want to be... And it's like, I've never heard, some, when I was a kid, I'd never heard somebody in, yeah. in one verse. It was a really, you can tell it's a band that's just trying to piss you off. Yeah. But I read through the lyrics again, just to see what, just to see whether it's got any particular stance and whether it's a bit whether it is a dodgy song in today's, like...
1: I read up on it, stage. Yeah.
0: It doesn't seem like it is, particularly. It, it seems I a think bit, what he was trying to capture... It seems okay.
1: It seems... For, it, I, I don't know. And from what I've read from what he said and reading the lyrics, I think it's trying to capture both pro and negative sides. So there's the pro side of, obviously, why she'd want to do this, but then he doesn't shy away from the brutality of it and what's being done and what her reaction... And from what I can understand, he was just trying to capture the whole thing and as glaringly uh, truthful, staring it right in the face as he possibly could, because he know that he knew that wouldn't go over well. And it wasn't as much about having an opinion one way or the other; it was about showing everything just right in your face, because so many people sort of try to wrap it up and, and you know, yeah, and, and and do it in a more aesthetically pleasing way on both sides.
0: Yeah, you know, for 1977 or whatever, I'm not sure it's a topic that's that's um well i, I mean clearly and covered i don't cover that much uh, yeah I, I and i'm know. not going to go
1: into like you know what we feel politically and everything but i think we can see now with what's going on in the u.s people still aren't comfortable talking about it and having and sitting down and having conversations and i get it um but you know i, I think i think in some respects punk rock some comedians and hip-hop um i think it's important in society to have people that say where are the lines and then they test the lines a little further. And unfortunately, whenever you do that, you always are running the risk of then going too far. And, yeah. and so it's a very tricky thing whenever you're going to discuss any of these topics. So I'm never going to sort of, unless it's like very in your face, they're just trying to be, you know, insult people, but you know, so I, I respect the attempt I'll say.
0: They've chosen to do bodies, right? Which is, I, I, I think I've got more, pro- I've got more problem with the episode based on it than I do with the yeah. actual song.
1: I agree. Funny enough. Well, and like I said, the, the having a sex scene with her just seemed, and I don't want to say inappropriate. Like, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, he should get in trouble or something. I'm just saying it just seemed inappropriate. Like, I'm like, why? Are, what? Like, I
0: just maybe, when I was maybe watching, it, it as, you know,
1: yeah, maybe. maybe it
0: happened because if you, I, I, I had a quick little read about the um, series just to see because uh, I, I knew it was based on Steve Jones's book. And I yeah. saw that he had uh, input throughout. It was like, he was like the creative person on it.
1: The way they edited it together, I, and I didn't know this story, I thought she literally escaped from a mental asylum and showed up there. You know what I mean? Like, it's
0: weird, isn't it? You know, does a, she have a job? She was sent she... us letters from the country, so she must have been like a groupie. No, a fan. Yeah, a fan so maybe sending, maybe, sending maybe in letters. In real life,
1: Maybe in real life, after that experience, she has a nine-to-five job, and I, I don't know. But the way they portrayed it in the show is yeah, just very... very...
0: very odd, very on the nose. Yeah. Very on the nose. The next episode, we get this uh, rise of the punk. Um, it's not really addressed particularly, I don't think, in the programme. It's very centred on the Sex Pistols, obviously. I don't think you get that much of a feeling of all the other bands that were influenced by them and yeah. came up alongside. You don't get a vibe that... The Buzzcocks are there, and the Clash are there, no. and the Jam are there. You get this mention, a little bit of the Clash, because of the Chrissy Hind thing. Yeah. Joining did them they, Did they even mention
1: that? They, did they mention that in the show?
0: Yeah, there's a bit uh, there's mean... a bit where she... There's a bit where she is... Go, she thinks she's going to join... I assume, and everybody really say it. She's going out with Mick Jones, I think, and she's, she thinks she's going to join... Yeah, they, they do, they say it. She's uh, going man. to join the Clash... And at the last minute, they say, we can't have you. You're a girl. And she calls them sexist because why wouldn't you want a girl in your band? She and then said she they kind were of sexist it to, pistols. It's very like insular. You don't get a real feeling about the whole wave. They, they keep having documentary footage of punk, real punks, interspersed yeah. to show, like, yeah. this was what was happening. And you've got these two girls that kind of, uh, I didn't really...
1: That oh, story. that was like, terrible. And then they kicked uh, him out. Yeah. No, no, no.
0: But what we do have here in this episode is the Grundy show. The bit the biggest the spitting? Is that the spitting incident... show? This is the Bill Grundy show. Oh, this is, you're the, t- okay, yeah. this is going on to the this is going on to the to this um I think it's a tea time television show back in the 70s. Uh like a like a, a magazine type show. And I think they went on with Susie and the Banshees or Susie Sue or whatever. And this is the famous uh, swearing for the first time ever on British television, allegedly. Oh no! That. Oh yeah, and it's the one. W- what I get, what gets me, because because like you, I, I, and I've watched this so many times over the years. It's not like I've just rewatched it now, but I quite often watch this interview because it's quite an interesting interview. And what gets me with it still to this day is that Bill Gr- Johnny Rotten says uh, shit, and Bill Granny picks yeah. him up on it and makes him say it again, and Johnny Rotten gets yeah. all coy and and like oh, I just said a, a, a naughty word. And he says, well, yeah. can you say it again? He goes, I said shit. But immediately before that, he says to Steve Jones, so you've earned a lot of money from this then, what have you done with it? And he goes, I, f***ed, I f***ed spent <laughs> it all, haven't <laughs> I? Right? But he doesn't yeah. hear that. Yeah, that yeah, goes. Yeah. So Steve Jones immediately starts with the word F***, immediately yeah. Yeah. and he picks Johnny Rotten up on saying shit. Yeah. But there was a Doors moment in this, right? This, like, recreation of... Uh, reality where when he says to steve jones when steve jones says you dirty you dirty old man yeah you dirty rotter you f- rotter and he says can you say that again what you just said and he looks at the camera and he's got his dad at home his stepdad at home yeah. and he's saying directly down the lens to his stepdad he's saying you dirty you f- dirty bastard or whatever he's saying very subtle and it's a it's subtle, right? And it's just like Oliver <laughs> Stone, right? In the yeah. Doors film, "Would Light My Fire, they go onto television, right? Oh, yeah. And he, then the producer comes up to me and says, you can't say, girl, we couldn't get much higher. Why can't you say, girl, we couldn't get much better? And then Jim Morrison, <laughs> on the show, yeah. live, Horror! goes, higher! Right? Yeah. And anyone can Google the actual performance and see that Jim Morrison never did that. <laughs> so it's like, when you've got an interview that exists or a performance yeah. that exists, you can be very careful. But I thought actually overall, it was pretty good. If you watch the two yeah. versions, it's I pretty did. good. I did. It was pretty it's good. It's pretty good, yeah. It's it's pretty
1: hilarious that how much language, you know, like there's movies on every day. I remember as a kid, you know, people's arms getting ripped off and stuff, and that's cool. But if like somebody's breast was shown, it would be like, oh, um, and, and it, we say that, and we will bleep ourselves if we curse, but it's still pretty funny. It,
0: to me. It's it's funny that yeah, when I was growing up in the '80s, the thing you could do lots of things, and like, but you couldn't say on television. Yeah. No, they'd have to think of all ways around. I remember it.
1: when I remember when like hell and like shit, you couldn't crap, say.
0: shit, yeah. you couldn't say. It. And then when you look into uh, sitcoms and that. They'll tell you how many they have, like a quota. Yeah, you can always say so many. Yeah, and I think well, I think it was um, Alan Partridge I was watching it once, and he at one point he he just says, "Oh f- off!" I think it's the final episode. He says, "Oh f- off!" And then on the commentary, Steve Coogan was saying we were allowed one f- in <laughs> in the six episodes, and we put it there. It's like wow, a quota. But now you've got bad, to the yeah. no, but now you've got to the point because I because we both grew up in a time where you couldn't say these words on especially on television but even in real life you couldn't say it yeah but now i find that i have to put one into every sentence i say would you say
1: that you i feel like i trust people more when they curse what the and instantly i'm like oh this guy's cool it feels honest like it feels like the people that won't curse are putting on a fake front but and maybe because i grew up in like a lower class i don't know because i'm more comfortable when people are cursing i'm like okay we're comfy and when people aren't i feel very like oh
0: Pretty Vacant is quite an innocent looking little title there. But Mr. Mr. John Lydon believes he's singing something completely different. He's singing, read, about, he's singing read, a very naughty word.
1: I read that if you hit yourself with a hammer and you say, F-, there is like a 10% reduction in pain. But if you say, frick, yes. it's only like 2%. Yes. I read
0: that. That's 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 a proper study from from years ago. I completely ago, isn't
1: it? I completely made up the percentages, so I'm sure you know, no no some no. But like, I, I re- that's
0: gobbledygook. But um... I read that years and years ago. I remember reading that um, that's true. There's something about that if you if you stub your toe and you just shout F- mother, if you, <laughs> you shout that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it doesn't hurt so much as if you go oh yeah oh Betty. <laughs> Good the golly, d- gee willikers. <laughs> I chopped my finger off with a saw. Gosh, darn it. The hotel, the Sex Pistols go into a hotel, right? Yeah. And the girl leads them to the stage, and they set up. And you can see that they're playing to going to be playing to a bunch of old people. Yeah. It was exactly like the scene in Spinal Tap, where they go to the military base, <laughs> and the bloke leads them through and says... Yeah, yeah. Uh, so um yeah when, so when we go well, where, so when will we be going on then uh, nineteen hundred hours nineteen hundred hours that's three three hundred hours away. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> but that idea of um a band who are totally inappropriate for like a wedding party or whatever. Oh yeah, and they do that scene in this. But interestingly, we'll go onto it in a minute. But did I,
1: did I Malcolm, really know McC- when they're playing in prison. Um
0: oh the prison the prison there was a the prison yeah. one as well wasn't there? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That reminded yeah, right. me of that bit in um, uh, Some Kind of Monster where Metallica go to San Quentin, right? And James yeah. Hetfield stands there and he gives this speech, right, to them. And he goes, He's got his arms fed. He goes, Do you know what? He goes, it's, uh, we're not here to sell anything. And I think, You're, recording! You're recording your video oh. for your latest single, you <laughs> lying bastard. But <laughs> uh, when he goes, He goes, I'm not here, I, I, I'm here, I'm not here to sell anything. I could have been one of you. I'm thinking, You're a multi billionaire who shoots yeah. animals through the head in russia mate uh, i'm not <laughs> here to say anything anyway yeah sorry. oh yeah the mental patients.
1: I, I just i don't even remember this the mental patients swaying to the top 40 i think i thought that was funny yes yeah, yeah. yes well and i want to talk about the spitting contest yeah so there's a scene where they're playing and a uh a big biker group comes on yeah. and then um one of the bandmates turns around and one of the punk... Sid Vicious, I think. And he spits on the 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 guy from the, the motorcycle gang. And then the guy from the motorcycle gang just spits back at him. And then everyone in the crowd just has a spitting contest. And I have two things to say. Number one, they were really ahead of their time. Because people around here all did that to protest against COVID regulations. And number two... Um, I will say in all seriousness, where I'm from, if you spit on a gentleman from a motorcycle gang, he's not going to have a spit party
0: with you. He's going to beat you to death.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. Like,
0: you know. I, I agree. I, I think when it gets to, it's actually like probably the the last episode, but there was a time when at the very end of the Sex Pistols career didn't last very long. The career. The two years, um, right? Two years, right? Uh, Malcolm McLaren. He set up an American tour for them, right? Yeah. And he purposefully put them into places where he knew he was all about hatred and causing a, a rift and a and a and a and a, and a uh, swell fella. So he booked them into all these kind of redneck type places across America, places where they're obviously going to be hated, and. They would go to these places and people would chuck bottles at them and Johnny Rotten was constantly getting hit in the face with bottles and that led to the Winterland ballroom where he, he just got on his knees and just went, have you ever felt like you've been cheated and you never played with them again? Yeah. But um, I think you had Sid Vicious who was literally smashing people across the head with a bass guitar, swung like a cricket bat, like a baseball bat, just swinging it. Yeah. I think that they were quite intimidating so when you say like if you spat in a biker's face that's the last thing you're going to be doing can you imagine sid vicious spitting in your face i don't i don't know i know he was a skinny piece of nothing but i think yeah he, but, but
1: but yeah but if, mad, and, but if you're mad but uh, if you're mad enough to spit back at like that's the like look if he was so intimidated so that's the bit
0: that's the bit you got the issue with the fact that the biker spat uh, back
1: yeah because if you're a biker and you're intimidated you're leaving like I'm not gonna go. I'm really intimidated by that guy.
0: <laughs> but they turned up. Like, a... but, but I know it wasn't. I know that was uh, the British thing. But in America, everybody turned up to the gigs. Yeah. To like they heard they were coming to town, so all the protesters went out and and um and pro and protested. And everyone chose to go to the gigs just to boo and throw bottles at them. Yeah. So like. It's like that thing where um, a band get, uh, says something like, we're bigger than Christ or whatever. And then everyone runs out and buys as many albums as they yeah, can, yeah. can to set them on fire. Howard, can you imagine, Howard Stern, they always say, imagine that. With that? Stern. I'd be like, thank you, thank you. Keep they buying. Always said with,
1: um, they always say with Howard Stern, half the listeners love you and half the people, half the listeners hate you so much that they have to listen to see what you'll say next. Uh, and it's funny. I, a fun fact, too, all those people spitting on each other in that club all actually worked for NASA. They were all rocket scientists. I didn't know you were. <laughs> <The> genius. <laughs> oh, God. Just hocking Lookies on each other. Uh, Do you ever see that Simpsons meme where the old grandpa walks to the door, takes one look, he hangs his coat up, takes one look, and just turns around and puts the coat <laughs> back on? Yeah, that would be yeah. me walking in on that spitting show. <laughs>
0: I would just walk in, take a look, and just yeah. walk right back out the door. Uh, I can imagine walk past. Oh, the Sex Pistols! I've heard about them. Yeah, yeah let's check in. them
1: out. <laughs> They're all hugging oh, and okay. <laughs> on each other. <laughs> Never
0: mind. <laughs> it's funny, right? In this country, it wasn't. It wasn't really mentioned particularly in this show. But the Sex Pistols were banned from playing live. Uh, probably uh ab- maybe after the Bill Grundy show. I, d- I don't know exactly. But to get around it, they just co- they just changed the band name. They called themselves uh, Spot. And they just toured under Spot instead. They called themselves Sex Pistols on Tour. The Sex Pistols, right? They've got a perfectly good bass player who writes all their songs and can play. Yeah. And it looks, all, it looks all right. Glenn Matlock, he doesn't look as nerdy as they, he does in this show. Wasn't he he's, a lawyer later? He, he landed on his feet? I, oh, Matlock? maybe. That's a bad oh, I see. Is that, a, <laughs> is that some American show? That I don't it's know about. Matt,
1: I think Matlock, yeah, he's a lawyer with a white suit. Oh. It, it, yeah, you got to put him on. Like when you edit this, you got to find uh, Matlock. Oh, Matt. I, I will. You know, you know what man. I'm like. He's an you know old know man like. lawyer with a white suit.
0: And, you know, I'll be you know I'll be pasting it on there. So, somewhere. so
1: the bass player landed on his feet. Now he he solves cases for the elderly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Matlock is that, is that people watch There's that? Fame, it's a big. I think it really? went off
1: the air like 20 years ago. But it was he's pretty big. Matlock.
0: All oh, right. Okay. Maybe yeah. so. Maybe that was 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 that the basis of the Sex Pistols then? <laughs> maybe maybe is that what he, well, maybe. okay, but. His catchphrase was,
1: never mind my balls, he's he's saying. (laughs) Never mind my balls. At the end of of every episode, like he'd get somebody to be on the stand. He'd be like, are these your shoes? And then everyone would go, and he'd look at the camera and he'd go, never mind my balls. And then they would cut (laughs) to commercial.
0: (laughs) I mean, honestly, that's probably probably just as viable as something like Cagney and Lacey. Just a bloke who just literally has two golden balls and just stands there and goes... Never mind. The balls of justice. <laughs> the balls of justice. One is heavier than the other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they uh, get rid of Glenn Matlock and replace him with Sid Vicious because Sid looks the ultimate punk. However, he can't sing Sid he can't, can't play, play a single note. he's not note. intelligent
1: and he's not smart.
0: He can't play a single note. But it reminded me of a time where it was the early noughties. It was around the time Coldplay came out and I was forming a band and I had, I had a great drummer, but we didn't have anyone to play the bass. The drummer had bumped into this bloke who looked brilliant. I mean, because I'm not <laughs> the greatest looking bloke, but this bloke, yeah, yeah. this bloke was like your perfect like pop pin-up idol yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And we both thought that he if doing, we had him like, in our band, was he doing like
1: dance numbers while you played like "But baby, bye, bye, bye"? <laughs> <laughs> it
0: never got that far. If we, if we if we, the story doesn't go that far. But if I would have got him to do that. I would have gotten yeah. to do all of this stuff. He's like doing no shirt. Ooh, yeah, bye, yeah. Bye, bye. <laughs> so, So, right? I I, So, right, we said to each other, we said, this guy, if this guy was in a band, we'll make it, right? So he bought a bass guitar, right? And he had never, ever touched it. He'd played it. And I remember saying to my drummer, it's all right, I can teach him to play the bass. It's not a problem. It's the easiest instrument of the lot. I'll teach him to play it and then Fine. And I spent two weeks trying to teach this guy to play the bass guitar, right? It's, it's impossible because the the, the the musical vocabulary and knowledge you've got, even when you think you haven't got any, if you're coming from nothing, nothing, and you say to someone, just hit the open, look, just, just, just play the open E. Yeah. And they go, what's an open E? An uh, E is that first string. Okay, what does open mean? Oh, Right. <laughs> And it was like that every minute of every day. What uh, so I, I had I had a Sid Vicious, and I couldn't teach him to play. But What the Sex Pistols did was they just unplugged him. Yeah, unplugged his amp. And if you watch the, because I used to watch it again and again, the the on VHS, the the last concert, the Winterland show, it is quite funny because there are obviously moments in it you can tell because you can see the amp going on, but there's you can you can tell and. Um, He's quite often plugged in, regardless of what Steve Jones says. Sid Vicious is quite often plugged in on it. And you can hear the bass quite it's oh. quite there. Yeah, and yeah. it's just hysterical.
1: What is the Frank Sinatra My Way version. And yeah. I listened to the original version, and it's terrible. Like, you can't even hear him. Like, the mix is terrible. And maybe I have a bad version of it. Because I said it's a famous song, so I just brought it up to hey, listen to it. And I didn't maybe. sound not remember. I don't, me- I don't,
0: remember, it, I don't right. remember it sounding particularly bad. Yeah,
1: I thought it but, didn't sound too bad. Uh,
0: um, but... Th- but live, yeah. He, I was, I was listening to play Annie in the UK, and uh, you know, he, he, he got a few of the notes right, but a few he was right. all about. But he's just standing there, topless, covered in blood, yeah. looking punk as hell. Yeah. Uh, you could see why now the people are wearing uh, Sid Vicious t-shirts I and mean, they're not wearing Steve Jones t-shirts. Well, aren't we you know in an I mean? age
1: though? And, and it's interesting because we're in an age of you just have to look the part. Um, mm. And it doesn't matter, and that's Malcolm you don't know what You're thing. talking
0: about, yeah, yeah, and, Malcolm McCarren thing.
1: As much as I, you hate him for it, he's completely correct, and and I Absolutely. think this, in real life that works in just about every facet of what you're doing. If you look the part and you're confident, you're good. Uh, has, what else, you know, do we need to to learn that? And it's and I think it's I always joke because like the real smart guys are terrible leaders. I'm not saying they would be. But the, the real smart guy who knows what he's doing, you go, hey, should we do this? And he goes, uh, well, I don't know. There's a lot of things that could go wrong. We could go this way. And you go to the dumb guy that looks like, you're like, what do you think? He's like, yeah, let's go. And then, <laughs> yes. every, you know, people aren't following the gosh, I don't know guy. They're following the guy with the blood on his chest that goes, I know what we're doing. Even though he can't play, can't sing,
0: doesn't know what you're he's probably talking right. about. You're probably right because out of all those great musicians from that era... Yeah, like your Paul Weller's and your uh, all your members of the Clash and Pete Shelley of the Buzzcocks and Johnny Rotten or whatever. Not a lot of oh. Johnny
1: Krieger, you know, or Robbie Krieger T-shirts. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you know, what I mean? You, like mean?
0: like if, if you think about <laughs> I- iconic, if, like if you had to pick like iconic uh, images of like an iconic, uh, like a Bob Marley or an Elvis. I think you're picking Sid Vicious out of that whole. Everybody I've just mentioned, you're picking Sid Vicious. Well, I think a lot of people when they listen
1: to music, it's it's you wanna live vicariously through it. And I'm not saying everyone, but I'm saying a lot of people tend to picture a member of the band and you're like, That's what I wanna be. And so you you look at the good looking one and you listen and enjoy the one that knows actually plays the instruments. Um, I mean that's why they have like all these bands that like the the real people that are really singing and playing are in the background, you know, and they're
0: like throwing red meat at them so they can like eat it because they're starving to it's, death back then. It's a shame really because if it was today, you know, because like you say, you've got like Kiss and but they'll have backing singers and stuff going on. Motley Crue. Uh, yeah. Ozzy Osbourne's got about two singers I think backstage actually doing the singing. Well, when when Adele got, came out, people were like, I can't, can you believe this yeah, chick isn't but, the hottest sh- chick I've ever seen and I'm listening she's to singing. her. It's bullshit. She's actually singing. Yeah, I can't believe it. Uh But it's a shame in a way because uh, because if it, if it was today and you had an iconic guy like Sid Vicious on the stage, they absolutely would either be running a tape or having a person playing backstage. But the, six, the Sex Pistols just went on stage. Yeah. And they're standing there and like everything well, they're think, doing.
1: I think that's one of the interesting things about now is because we are so uh, involved in celebrities' personal lives, they can't get away with what they used to be able to. So like no one at the time, probably unless you were a hardcore musician, no one knew he couldn't play. There's just like, he's one of the cool guys in that cool band. I like, I think yeah. now there would be people like us doing blogs and things. And, and, you know, people would go now, listen, when he's, is he plugged in? Look, he's playing E sharp, but why am I hearing a B, you know, kind of stuff. It's happening. Uh,
0: another version, another, uh, a much, much better example in terms of uh, the actual talent, uh, the Manic Street Preachers were a band like in the 90s, still going now actually, but 90s, 80s, and 90s. And they had their lyricist, uh, Richie, Richie Edwards, who actually went dead. But um, he couldn't play, right? He was the rhythm guitarist and he was such an <laughs> Sorry, amazing...
1: That was, that was the funny way you did it. They were like, You were like, there's this guy, plays guitar, dead. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, dead. <laughs> 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 yeah, Dad. Read up on him. It's very, it's a very yeah, interesting yeah. story. richie Edwards, okay, yeah. the the disappearance of richie Edwards, uh, 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 like a proper depressed. It's a horrible story of depression. I think drives to a bridge, presumed dead. Now he's been written off. But great lyricists. Some, some of my favorite ever songs. But he couldn't play. So on stage, they would just unplug his amp. Just unplug wow. him, and he just bash away. And you know, um, did he know? I, I quite often wonder that because I think the stories are that they just unplugged him and he. Didn't, I don't think he necessarily knew. No,
1: <sighs> Imagine how embarrassing but I, <laughs> that, that might be why he drove him to a bridge. I don't know this guy, but... Uh.
0: Well, no, I, I'm not going to repeat the story because I've already told it on various videos and things, but the okay. be, one of the best gigs I ever played on guitar, uh, my amplifier wasn't switched on. So, and I didn't realize, the how, how, how? How did I not realize? And only at the end, everyone was coming up and congratulating me and saying how what a brilliant gig it was and how brilliant <laughs> I was on the guitar. And I was taking all the, I was taking it all. I was taking all the joy and everything, right? And then I walked oh, to the stage oh. to, to pack up and I noticed that my amplifier wasn't switched on. Oh, and I thought, holy God. shit. Oh
1: my God. And that was
0: the most compliments I've ever had. And I wasn't even plugged <laughs> in. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i was the, i was the rhythm i was the rhythm guitarist of a punk band at the time so i i can only assume that i i that the other guitarist was really carrying it very well i really i really dig it's like a minimus style <laughs> it's like almost like i can't even hear the
1: rhythm guitar because some people say less is more so it's really really quite brave thing you're doing here
0: oh god less is more less is more um i did write down god save the queen only that uh I think the biggest thing that Sex Pistols ever did was their releasing for the Jubilee a, a, a song that sounded like it was anti um, anti the monarchy. Although I think John Lydon to this day is annoyed by uh, the the way that that song was portrayed. He never he never wanted to call it. Well, God he wanted the Queen. to call
1: it uh, what was it? Uh, uh, no future. We're, we're, no future. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I believe. So even either. even <laughs> even back then he was against the artist future. He's, he's, <laughs> he said no. He's, oh, and you put um. I saw that you just changed because you had um. Uh, Sid and Nancy. Oh and yeah, I was gonna, gonna say, say what I was gonna say about Sid and Nancy is oh yeah. That, I was really surprised because usually when bands start doing heroin, that's when they take off. Like usually heroin leads them to the greatest heights.
0: Improves the musicianship. Yes, it you improves. get exiled on Main Street.
1: Yeah. You know what's funny with heroin, as bad as it is, I realized growing up that all of my favorite love songs are actually about. Heroin, like Golden Brown by the Stranglers. I'm like, that's a lovely tanned lass they're singing about. And it turns out, no, it's that that heroine. Uh, what was uh, that? My Girl? That. My Girl is about uh, rocks. No, I made that up.
0: But it seems like a lot of those songs, you know. Um, it's a shame. One of my favorite Nick Drake songs, which I just think is, is a really beautiful song. And um, it's uh, his love ode to... Uh, Cannabis, and it's like, that's well, kind of, I forget that. It's like, I don't want to know that. Don't, no, ruin, it yeah. Yeah, don't ruin it he's, for me. He's singing it all wistfully,
1: uh, singing about yeah, cannabis. yeah like very wistfully. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I mean,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but oh, yeah, I suppose, I suppose, we, we just I was about to just gloss over the fact that, uh, the the story of the great film. Have you ever seen, have you ever seen, um, Sid and Nancy no. starring watched, Gary Oldman?
1: documentaries never watch again i don't like movies based on that kind of thing and it could, might oh, see i movie. love them oh yeah. isn't
0: that weird i i just yeah. love them like i love the doors i like i love sid and nancy well
1: i, I always find and i do love the doors i um, i just think the truth is always more interesting than sort of the uh maybe i'm not sure the, if that's the, the, the idealized the, the ideal oh i think the doors are an exception because i think they got this spirit all <laughs> of us
0: don't just find-
1: Oliver Stone, Oliver Stone went to town. Yeah, and I also love Oliver Stone's Nixon, which has a great quote. I've never that, seen um, it. Yeah, Oliver Stone's Nixon and, uh, has a, a scene where Nixon is, is is walking and he's all downtrodden, and he walks in, there's a portrait of uh, Kennedy, you know, and he looks at the portrait and he goes, oh,
0: when they look at you,
1: they see who they want to be. When they look at me, they see who they are. <laughs> I was like, I was like that quote. Um, it has nothing to do with anything, but I like that quote a lot.
0: That's uh, good.
1: But I wanted to share that. Um, but
0: like, I mean, I that think... cra- crashed and burned the podcast, but it was good. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, someone is going to be inspired by that.
1: Someone's going to say that like at their retirement party, and they're going to thank me for it. They're going to they're going to use that line. Say it very. Uh...
0: And then Sid say, Don't... killed. Sid killed said... Nancy and then killed himself. Well, what are you saying? I'm just, I'm trying to talk about the Sex Pistols here. What are you saying? Who? Who? What? <laughs> Sorry, I, you say 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 what you were gonna say. Nah,
1: it's gone. I was gonna try. No, to no, 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 no. I've ruined the moment. I've ruined, the moment. I've ruined the moment. I was gonna say
0: that when uh, taking
1: heroin was the best part of the band. Um, yeah, it's a shame at how many bands that I've liked over the years that uh, you get to that part in the documentary and then they discovered heroin and just the whole thing. And it's just predictable. They die. They, you know what stone temple pilots nirvana um mm. there's just so many different uh different groups that that you you know I liked that just you know that drug and drugs in general just uh just takes do you think
0: out. um do you think Having read like the the Kurt Cobain journal you know the journal was published where they, they kind of yeah, they I went through it, all his yeah. diaries yeah i've got it it's a bit it's just a bit strange where i bought it and it's it's all of his journals and diaries and it feels a bit intrusive actually i'm surprised that you want to do it you
1: know what i like doing on saturdays saturdays are my read people's diary day <laughs>
0: Well, all I was going to say... Dear it diary, is dear diary, Mercurial number six
1: made fun of my <laughs> laconic story. Angry heart emoticon. con
0: <laughs> It's true. But I was just thinking that whether Kurt Cobain, because I think he liked the Sex Pistols, I can see parallels there because Courtney Love surely oh, was trying man. to be Nancy Spungen. I mean... I, I'm, the, you know, I'm, if they had to make a film now, you'd just cast her, wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, um it's it just sad. And if you read up on Nancy's uh, upbringing and, and such, she had a hard life and had a lot of things happen to her as a kid that could have affected her brain. So it's all very sad. And that being said, if either Sid or a Nancy showed up at my front door right now, you go, you get the hose, and you spray him <laughs> with the hose. Until they leave, yeah. You just spray them. You don't even have to say anything. You just spray. You just walk out silently. You turn the hose on. You spray these people with the hose, and you and they'll 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 trust me. They'll yell at you. They'll be upset. You just keep spraying them and spraying them until they leave your <laughs> until your they yard. walk away. Yep. So that's how, that's that's how you deal with this kind these until kind they of problems.
0: And it's, it's a such such a shame if you don't own a hose. You should go and get a hose just in case this ever happens.
1: Yeah. If you don't own a hose. Get one or a sprinkler system. Um, and if you ever want to win over a girl, just write her a note that says she makes you your pee hard. <laughs> or whatever he said on that note was just the funniest ever. I think you're hot as shit. Number two, you're freaking hot. Number three, you make my pee-pee hard.
0: I know, Number four, it was, it... you told that funny joke <laughs> once. <laughs> I mean, it was funny that two of the points were the same on the list. And it was also quite funny that... So he's dead, right? He's the he's the only yeah. So he's the only member that's dead of the sex person. He's yeah. the only person that can't really come back. You like
1: you like pointing that out about people, I find. <laughs>
0: yeah. Sid, <laughs> Sid, I you're Sid Vicious, dead. Dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh Um <laughs> But because he was dead, oh. right? <laughs> <laughs> they had no problems with portraying it, portraying him as a f- idiot. Did you notice that? Reminds me of what I Abraham mean, like, Lincoln said. Abraham like Lincoln, brain, dead. <laughs> sorry, all right, sorry, got it. I mean, I'm going to mention Elvis in a minute. Dead. Yeah. dead. Um, the Curse they, of they the Doors. Never, before we go too far off the beaten track, I'll tell you what. I'll put the um the Great Rock and Roll Swindle on the screen for the, those who can see it. But back when we were talking about Rotten, I managed to completely miss the fact that I wrote that in big. You can't even see it. I wrote that in massive letters, the, uh, John. But,
1: Lyon's court case. John John Lydon's court oh, yeah, case, yeah. right?
0: So when they announced this and Danny Boyle said he was going to make this program, Johnny Rotten immediately went to court, took them to court over it and said, you are not using, I want nothing oh, wow. to do with this. And yeah. you are not using any Sex Pistols music. Ooh. And Paul Cook and Steve Jones, and I think Glenn Matlock, but certainly Paul Cook and Steve Jones um, both said, no, we are. And we out rule you, we outvote you. And then John Lydon pulled up what he considered to be a document that um, they made an agreement that it had to be all members say yes to something. One I mean, for he lost all, the court all, case. all for one. Yeah, yeah, he lost, the long and short of it, he lost the court case. But John Lydon, uh, everyone else was involved in the series. I think everyone else was involved with it. I think the actors all met with their counterparts. So the Steve Jones met with Steve Jones and the poor- Steve Jones cook. is like, he's like, the key is you sleep with every girl wants you. Key, every girl is, is, is
1: sexually attracted to you. The can can we get a better you, looking guy skin. here? Can we get a better looking guy? We need a real good looking guy. And oh, you I know what I wanted to do? I I'll just say Essin and Effin. We just need him Essin and Effin. Whole show. That's what he's doing. He's Essin and he's Effin. But you, you, you've you got
0: it. You've got it. It's like, like more Steve it's Jones like, did. It's,
1: it's like more cowbell, except for he's like, more Essin yeah. and Effin. Just keep, yeah. keep bringing yeah. in them birds. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> you, you screw a lot of birds. So all you got to do is screw a lot of birds. <laughs> the, the Johnny Rotten guy didn't have the same opportunity because uh, Johnny Rotten was absolutely, he still is, totally against this. He, he, um so the reason I wrote that down was because I wonder how he probably... Uh, He's probably, he'll deny watching it. I guarantee he's watched it, right? He's, he didn't want the music to be used. He wants nothing to do with it. He's totally against it. I wonder what, how he'd feel if he watched it. I think he doesn't come off too badly in it. I, no. I don't think he, d- he comes no, off I, too I, badly I, in it. I,
1: and I think he's, he's probably the most sympathetic character and the most level-headed one in the show. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I get it. Like, how would you feel if they made a movie... About your life, based on um,
0: based on your book. Yeah, man. a movie about I'm our. Like, I'm like right. based on your book.
1: Somehow I'm British. I'm like, look, all happy. I would just get all the girls, and he'd just be a big jerk and talk about dead people all the time. <laughs> he just point out that people are deceased <laughs> while I was banging birds.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, why? Why I didn't spend my whole career saying? I'd be like I'd be like I'm going to go
1: out with this beautiful lady you're like by the way George Washington dead
0: <laughs> <laughs> Like you no know,
1: and then you call me and then like something terrible happened and like my my someone part of my family is like uh in a terrible accident, you call me and you're like, <laughs> Bill, mate, I've got terrible news. And I'm like, what? And you're like, your uncle, dead, just dead.
0: <laughs> I don't know how to break this to you, but your uncle, dead. <laughs> oh. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh. The great rock and roll swindle. That was the story of the Sex Pistols. Yeah, th- the way that um, Malcolm McLaren once uh, Johnny left, um, he carried on. So he tried they- to
1: make that movie. And by the way, fr- the most pro- I brought the most provocative part of the entire movie was when uh, McLaren got rid of the asbestos in the ceiling. That was the part I gasped the most. <laughs> I was like, "Oh God, no!" You know. I don't know. But- for realism, he actually inhaled asbestos for that scene.
0: I well, uh, you got you got to do you've got to do what you've got to do. But Malcolm McLaren, <laughs> dead. <laughs> I was waiting for it. The fact that he called the film "The Great Rock and Roll Swindle." He was so. And if you watch it, because I've got that on VHS as well. If you watch it, he goes step by step through how to produce a like number one hit band, and it's just you know, it swindle them. They carried on for a little bit with Steve Jones as the singer and Sid Vicious as the singer and Ronnie Biggs he's not very big because i've never heard of him the great the great <laughs> yeah do you know do you know the story of that do you know the story of that of ronnie the great, biggs no. ronnie biggs a great train robber he's a, he's a he was a horrible thing over here the uh, big wait the, he was a the, train the, robber they, they nicked like a million quid from a train but it, it, it wasn't as romantic as everyone makes it out they killed i think they badly named a bloke or killed him i think they, Did they badly do this hurt before or
1: after he learned guitar
0: no, so then he escaped. He he, he he escaped and ran off to Brazil, I think Rio de Janeiro. And he was like an out, you know, wanted in his country for years. And um, the Sex Pistols, because Malcolm McLaren, dead, was a dickhead. <laughs> the Sex Pistols went across. It's mentioned, it's mentioned in this program. That they, um, it's funny because I don't Johnny, know if Johnny you Rock Rock knew was this.
1: was like, no. I don't know if you knew this, but uh, Lance from NSYNC, same backstory.
0: I just made that up. No. <laughs> oh, really? He wasn't a great yeah, train robber. He's was the Brazilian train robber. But they went um. over. They went. They went to. They went to um, Brazil, and Ronnie Biggs was the singer of the Sex Pistols for a bit. Just complete nonsense. And Malcolm McLaren, dead, <laughs> was a bit of a dickhead. And, and their career why, dead. Career dead. Yeah, I think the the end. The end was just just fizzled out. It didn't even explode. It didn't even end with, with Johnny Rotten saying on that tape, just saying, yeah. if get a feeling you've been cheated?" It went on, a bit let like this you, episode.
1: Let me ask you this question. Well, this is a, at least a two part. Looking at my it's, watch, it's this, my, this might be. We're, we don't a have to film bar. another. We don't have to film another of these for like six this is, months.
0: This is six months <laughs> worth.
1: But um, do you think without McLaurin they ever we ever hear the sex pistols as 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 no. ruthless as he was yeah no. i agree i agree because i think it's it's like you want to believe like i said the lyrics and and sort of the idea of giving people without a voice a voice and kind of standing up against the system people love the image of standing up to the man but everyone sort of seems in my experience to bring their vision of what that is. And it doesn't matter because I've seen a lot of people like Republicans are like, what the hell's up with rage against the machine now? They're sound like a bunch of lefties. Like they don't realize that that's who they always were. And and I think with a lot of this music, I I don't know. It's it's, it is about the show and I hate that, you know, and I do think there are people that do read into it and can kind of, I think this music makes a difference in that it opens doors for people to like, look at things a little bit differently. Um, I don't see it as this big revolutionary thing where the world is going to change because I'm going to write this song and everyone's going to realize I'm right and they're wrong. I think at best, like I said, when you're impressionable, it can make you maybe look at things in a different perspective and then you follow that where you're going to go. And I think he was ruthless enough in a way to realize that, no, it's about image.
0: Yeah. He, he He knew... He knew what we all really know deep down, which is, it is all about looks. I think mean, there's even a moment in this where someone says to him, uh, "The but you can't, they can't play. That really does matter. The yeah. you're, you're giving them a gig and they can't play." And he's yeah. like, it, and "No." They, and they even say to him, "You haven't even heard them yet." And he goes, "I don't care. I don't. It doesn't. He's almost like it really, really doesn't matter what they sound like. Yeah. They're going to be famous because you know I'm going to make them famous."
1: And he was right in a way, and he was, but the band ended right. up falling apart. But remember when they fired the bass player because he didn't have the look? Uh, they yeah. fired Glenn Matlock. Yeah, uh, you know he went on to be a lawyer. But before, uh, but I thought um, uh, maybe I can let's see if I can win back for my awful laconic story. This is it's, a firing uh, It's highly
0: story. doubtful. But can't. all right, let's try. Let's try.
1: Uh, <laughs> I, I worked. I, I used to work for some time uh, for an armored car company, and there was a guy that worked for the armored car company named was a really big guy, real muscular guy. And for all the time I knew him, he never said anything funny. He was a cool guy, but he never said like a joke. And he would go on to say the funniest thing I ever heard in my life. So one day, it's the end of a shift. It's real hot. We're in this big terminal full of money. We're sitting in the boss's office. We're all sweaty. And we're all, it's back then. We're all smoking cigarettes, you know, in the office. And walks in, sweaty, look like he had a terrible day. He says to my boss, he goes, I'm giving my two-day notice. And my boss looks at him and he goes, two day notice? He goes, Yeah, I'm leaving today. <laughs> and he did. I never <laughs> I never saw him again. He literally uh that he that he just left. I wonder, is it better to be like kinda of funny your whole life or to like save up the funny? Just until have one you moment can just launch it like a nuclear missile at everybody, you know? And then I never saw him Like he he did the George Costanza thing, where you just say the best joke ever, and then you're out. Like he Enough never fire! was in my that that man was never in my life again. He dropped that on me, and just and this story uh, and is people being retold. Yeah, to people say to they go, who do you people? think is the funniest guy that ever lived? And I'm like Richard Pryor, Dave Chappelle, <laughs> <laughs> and I mean it's like number one on my list. That is you know? good.
0: That is yeah. good. We should have got to here to tell the uh, the laconic uh... story. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I've got to do lots of beeping in this episode in these three. Episodes, I started four episodes. the Sex
1: Pistols episode oh. with ancient Greece.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's good. I think I think we may have reached a natural ending here by having yep. the great rock and roll swindle on the screen talking about how Malcolm McLaren <laughs> was good and bad. No, yeah. no, 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 dead. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> what would be interesting to people that have only watched this or have only watched um the series itself would be Johnny Rotten went on to be John Lydon back to his name did public public image limited has always been kind of anti-establishment um was on an episode of judge judy oh yeah that's a mark
1: against
0: he was quite he was he was quite good on it and any, any well, no, I won't give any spoilers just google it it's quite good but then he went on and did a butter commercial here for butter. I can't
1: believe it's, it's butter. It's that um, kind of thing. Yeah. Did you uh, ever see the Tom Snyder interview he did just after he got off the Sex Pistols? Which one's that? Uh, there's a guy named Tom Snyder. He used to do Late Night with a black backdrop similar to mine, and he would sit back, and this is like, in the 80s and the 70s, and he had, like, a comb-over, older guy, and he'd smoke cigarettes, and he was very serious, wore a suit and tie, and he had John Lyden, and he had uh, the other guy who's in, um... Uh, what's it called? The, uh... You know it. Oh, uh, you... died. Ah, Beep that. I just said your name. Ring the bell. Um, anyway, he's sitting down, and they're having a very, um... They're having a very uh, confrontational interview. And then uh, I think Tom Snyder was a great interviewer. He got him. He said to both of them, he goes, I've heard a lot about what you two don't like. Tell me, what do you like? And stumped them both. Like they literally, the one guy's like, I'll have to go home and think for six months. And John literally was like, you got me. I I I can't think of anything. Holy and shit. I think yeah and I thought that, Isn't that was terrible a really...
0: you can't think of anything that you like? Well I think you're, it says a lot He spent so much time being anti and and aggressive and and Well it's
1: it's nihilism and and nihilism yeah. uh, I, I you know mm. when we were talking about Russian literature Turgenev wrote a book called Father and Sons where he was the first person to name it nihilism and there's a character in the book And they would even back. So this is the late 1800s. It was like that in Mr.
0: Angry as well by Roger Hargreens. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Sorry, carry on. No, but they would argue that nihilism is great. And they asked him, well, what happens when you've got everything the way you want it? And he was like, well, we'll still criticize it. And so it's sort of the problem with that philosophy is there's never a point where you go, okay, we're good. It's just constantly tearing down, tearing down.
0: Yeah. I think, I think you need a little balance in
1: your life. I think most people It's like need that
0: striving for anarchy. It's like yeah. if you if you could be careful what you wish for. I think the only way to have anarchy is to have a completely policed society.
1: Well, yeah, and uh, you know, Noam Chomsky has like a how to do anarchy if you really want to get into like the actual political thing. And then I think Fight Club is a good example of like mo- not modern day but nihilism. Yeah. If you're interested in like that kind of outlook and Sort of where it leads to. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to. Well, it, le- it
0: leads to a butter commercial. Butter Ooh, commercial,
1: and exploding This building.
0: butter is beautiful. Lovely butter. I forgot what it's called. That? Utterly utterly butterly. It's beautiful. Oh. Country but, life. You'll uh, but, never put a better bit of butter on your knife. But
1: so we don't end up, because uh, I like the guy now. Um, he also has a wife who I believe has Alzheimer's. Oh, and he's staying that's with such her. a shame. And he's staying with her Such and he's raising shame. money for her. And yeah. uh, I give him all the credit in the world. So he, I don't want to end. Uh, no, 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 Ripley. no. no, he, no, seems no. Like a,
0: he seems like a really good guy, I think. I, I, he he would have done he would have done the butter commercial for money. He still, uh, because of Malcolm McLaren, I don't think the Sex Pistols made any money from Nevermind yeah. the Bollocks. Um, they had to do a few reunion tours because of it, even though they all hate each other. That must have been yeah. a bit awkward. And yeah. you're right, John Lydon, he's got, he, he gets a lot of criticism because he's put on a bit of weight in that.
1: Yeah. He's an but old guy.
0: He's an old guy. But it's not, it's not even just that, is it? It's like they're criticizing him for that, these things, but he's at, he is looking after his wife.
1: Well, and he also is looking after... He's big on uh, the blue collar, and I always like that. And he means it. He doesn't just do it. He's, like, he seems he's, like an all you know, right sense.
0: guy. Yeah. But he's a bit of a prick if you watch certain interviews where he's I'm obviously sure. drunk. Just uh, like I'm the like podcast def- we like had defa- defa- to abandon.
1: What'll happen is I'm like talk, uh, I'm talking about how great he is, and I'm sure I'll find a YouTube link where he's like, "I like Nazis," like all this terrible he's, stuff. Um, i like, "No, he's, I didn't mean it." He's
0: not a good <laughs> no, guy. no. He's um, <laughs> he's he's a difficult character, and there may well be things that he said that we would want to disassociate ourselves yes. from. Six of one and bill of the other. Dead.
1: Smash that like and subscribe button. Smash the like and subscribe. Make we sure be a- Make sure you hit the bell. If you'd like to see a new podcast episode, hit the bell. Make sure to hit the bell. Smash that like button and subscribe.